If podcast doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, then you can't make music. Something she told me. Right off the bat, yeah. one, great job. Thank you. Two, <laughs> it's all in the nose. Underrated, the most fun voice to do this year it's is so Old fun. Man Lenny from Old Maestro. Man Lenny. I disagree. What's the most fun voice to it's, do this year? It's Julianne Moore in May, December. That's also fun. <laughs> There's some good voices in there. <laughs> Imagine the skit that Billy Crystal would do with those two voices. Oh my God, I'm salivating. Maybe Kimmel can just like tag him in for 10 minutes. Like they can do like a wrestling ring and Billy's on the <laughs> sidelines and then Kimmel's like, hey, you want in? Kimmel just needs to start cutting himself into the movies. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Do the do old fat, you know, just rip him off. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Obviously, that's a big line from the movie. So great pick. He could be the first great American podcaster. Who left? Uh, who abandoned Snoopy in the podcast studio? I mean, that's the best line. <laughs> who, who abandoned Snoopy in the vestibule? <laughs> who abandoned Snoopy it's, it's in his the day. podcast studio? It's I his podcast day. too much. What can I say? But I'm raining it in. I'm raining it in. That's <laughs> the, what I wanted you to do. That's a good. What one. if we started with Leonard podcast? Could do that. Could do REM. Oh 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could do that. It's in the movie. And his license plate reads Maestro in that scene. Yes. Yeah. What a fucking movie. Let's go to the club. Do you want me? I'm going to grind up on you. Here's the look. Oh we'll talk about it. And it's not even something I actually want to talk about that much. Lenny in the club? No, just the amount of like fucking discourse on the nose when the first teaser and the photos came out. Definitely right? don't want to. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll yeah. Talk I mean, about we're the same. Very we're briefly. Same. Right. But then you watch this movie and you're like, Nose is kind of important to the performance. If, okay. when, when he talks like this, should Denzel Washington yes. present best actor this buy year, a nose. bucking buy, tradition, buy a nose. so that just in case Bradley wins, he could say buy a nose. Yes. And, and if someone beats Bradley, he can still say buy a nose. <laughs> <laughs> then you would say, because of the nose, yeah. Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer. I so badly wanted Julianne Moore to uh, win that year for Far From Heaven. Yes, me That too. when Denzel said the buy a nose. nose thing, which everyone else took as like, <laughs> a fun joke between former co-stars. I was like, he's admitting that Julianne came very close. That is Denzel uh, admitting that she came close. And that makes me feel a little better. It's printed on the card. My mom was like, what the fuck are you talking? They don't give him the stats. <laughs> what if they did, though? I, Denzel, decree that only buy a nose, Nicole Kidman wins Best Actress. So who will be presenting? Let's see. Although I feel like they have been abandoning. Last year they that didn't they format. do team ups where it was ah, fuck that. Let's say they do classic. Okay. Then it would be Michelle Yeoh presenting best actor. Right. Because last year, year it was uh uh whatchamacallit? It was Chastain and Halle Berry Correct. together. Oh, right, they because had to get they had to get around the wheels. They couldn't get well. Thing. Right, 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 right. And they so did they, both so they, categories. They just shook it all right? up. Right? Yes, right. But That's why they did that. It would okay. be Brendan Fraser, best actress, Michelle Yeoh, best actor, uh, Kehu Kwan, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, you know, might be that might be nice. Yes, doing all the categories, but yeah. who knows? I hope Brendan Fraser gets on stage and just tells everyone to shut up. <laughs> he doesn't actually get on stage. He's just somehow on stage behind a desk, just bellowing, "Shut up!" He had the girth. Um. <laughs> He's amazing in Flower Moon. Yeah, he I feel like people don't talk Moon. about him in it because he comes in so late that people didn't really want to spoil. No, there was also two weeks of everyone being dumb about this, David. You're already forgetting. Oh, no, no. 
No, I don't Twitter. know because I left Twitter. I don't even know what the dumb things are anymore. There was two weeks of everyone being dumb about this performance to the point where Marie's making a face. Like think pieces were written and Scorsese had to respond. They made Scorsese respond, and he was like, "He's great in the movie. He is great in the movie." And Very he big sa- performance. He had this quote where he said, "I saw him. He had the voice. He had the girth." Hell yeah! Which is one of the greatest lines. Introduce our podcast. This is blank check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Uh, and David. I can't really do this it. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. This is Blank Check. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank tricks to make whatever crazy passion projects. I feel like I'm losing it the yeah, more I do it's, it. It's a little too, like, streetwise. Who am I going into now? There's someone else I'm... I don't know. <laughs> I'm becoming <laughs> someone else and I can't identify. There's another guy who, who I'm doing now. I have no idea, Griff. Directors who are dub maestros early on in their career and they're given a series of blank checks. Am I doing am I doing uh, Shep Gordon from Supermatch? Now no, wait, who are you doing? I now don't it's I like, can't tell. I'm doing You're someone almost like now. Michael Lerner or something. Anyway. No, okay. Michael Lerner, the bottom think feeling. Michael, yeah, he's got Michael Lerner's more up there. I feel like I, like Brad who is this person. Bradley's Lenny is a little more uh it's there's a little there's a little, little, there's there's a a little, little more, there's a sparkle to it. There's a sparkle to it. Spark- no, but I'm still doing, I think it. I'm doing Shep Gordon. Okay. Look, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion <laughs> projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby. Sometimes they're on Netflix. Sometimes they're on Netflix. And we'll never know. This is our second episode devoted to the films of Bradley Cooper. Yes. A pod is cast. Yeah, let's just call it that. I think that's what it was called. I was listening to the episode in the shower last night. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I won't go into too deep detail there. But uh, you guys said a lot of uh, interesting things. Yeah. I also listen to pods in the shower. I do too. Yeah. Cool. Not cool. hours. Benny? No, sometimes hours. Oh, I've got a shower I radio. I, I I'm a big fan of listening to pods and or music in the shower. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to our gold member commentary this morning <laughs> in the shower. I'll admit it. I can't believe you still listen. I will almost always listen to our special feed up special. Oh, features. you don't listen to main feed anymore. Sometimes uh, yeah. with with the uh, main ones, I will listen if it's like we recorded a while ago, which yeah. often is the case. Because yeah. I'm like, I don't even remember what we said. If it was something like Boy in the Hair, and I'm like, I fucking did that eight minutes ago. I'm not. Sure. I'm not listening back. No, to I that. used to listen all the time just for quality control. Like I, Me, I, wanna, I just want to know I what hear I said. What comes out the other end, right? And then uh, once the pandemic hit, it was like you, this you, is you gave up. Yeah, this goes into a box and but I drop it to the bottom of the sea. Our special features episodes are, in my opinion, our most fun episodes. Are silliest. I I'm not just saying this to get you to subscribe. And so it's always I, I, I have a season, good time listening no better to those gift than to give someone else a Patreon. Um, what did we say on our uh, Stars Born episode? Well, any hot takes? You, that you were right. I believe you start with talking about how your. Um, this is like kind of an unusual choice to yes. cover like a debut, a film, debut right. film. Right. Yeah. But how recently you had been trying to, you know, put more current f- releases in the lineup because uh, Ben said they were better for ratings. They would right. do very well. It was a thing we used to do more so often true. strategically. Yeah. 
Now I think we kind of hate having well, to we do have, We always have this releases. like glut at the end of the year, which yes. may change, but the last couple of years there's been gluts. Right. There's also a pressure with with uh, with a, that comes accompanied with a lack of perspective that we usually have the benefit of operating from and just like we're, we're cowards. Just, we're cowards. You're saying you're right. We haven't the discourse hasn't settled, our own feelings haven't settled yeah. sometimes. Sometimes you guys have just seen it like days before this new movie. Sure. And like, you know, it's tough to... But I think it's gotten to this place where we used to strategically say, are there a couple times a year where there's a movie one of us is excited for or there's something that feels like it overlaps with some bit on the show or whatever and it's an excuse to put something on main feed even if it's a director we're not covering. Bradley Cooper, that was an example of let's look at the calendar. Is there anything that feels like we could bump it up to a feed? But it also felt like this feels like a guy announcing himself as... An auteur. And in my mm-hmm. opinion, we, we called it. And it was framed that way, and it was a huge hit and a big Oscar player and all of this. Uh, we called it, and I, even some people who kind of viewed it askance and were like, we're really elevating Bradley Cooper to the level of they're going to talk about him every time a movie comes out. He directs a new film. And then I've seen a lot of those people be shut the fuck up after watching Maestro, which whether or not you like this movie, and I think this movie rules... I think this is basically a masterpiece. I don't think anyone can watch this and deny, like, okay, he is a serious filmmaker. I'm sure some people will, um, but I agree with you. I think you can just, like— There are choices. There are choices. Yeah, yes. And there's, like, just a level of artistry, craft, thought, feeling in this movie that is, like, this guy is a serious uh, filmmaker. I think this movie fucking rules. Uh, Marie Barty. Mm Mm-hmm. Marie Barty, 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 our associate producer, joining us on mic. Uh, we saw this movie together. We did. And I feel like we were pumping our fists like once every two minutes. Yes. Um, so I just want to say one of the first things that you mentioned, um, which you mentioned last week and mm-hmm. last week's episode on Boy and the Heron, is that you wanted to get your salt burn commemorative cup. Yes. You were worried that we didn't get to the theater in enough time. Yes. For you to go to concessions Correct. and get your salt Does that burn have cup. Jacob Elordi's come in it or something? That's a separate. There's also at certain theaters, I think the Alamo, there is a while, while supplies last uh, small uh, uh, clawfoot bathtub drinking container. I don't, I'm not shitting you. Are you serious? I'm serious. There the, is a big bathtub in the lobby of Alamo in uh Well, they have that Brooklyn. to take pictures yes. with. But also across the Alamo chain nationwide, there was a while supplies last. You get a commemorative. Look. You can drink your spirits out of a little cummy bathtub. Correct. I'm not. I'm not shitting you. <laughs> but to be the clear, Angelica, in the film, Barry Keegan drinks Jacob Elordi's cummy bathwater. Right. Yes, Angelica, one of the many transgressive moments in Emerald Fennel's Saltburn. The much smaller Angelica chain of independent theaters had their own promotion with a Saltburn souvenir cup that looked more like the, the cup you'd get, the tie-in cup that Burger King would give you. What if we just went back to, look, I know you love tie-in merch. Yeah, by the way, I saw Saltburn this week. Uh, it fucking blows. <laughs> I know people hate when I just, like, throw hay, stray haymakers yeah, into a drive-by and right. refuse to unpack it. That movie sucks. I mean, it's not a successful film. <laughs> no. The thing is, I went into it, I'm not a huge fan of her first film. Yeah. And I went into it with pretty low expectations. Yeah. And the first hour of it, we could just do two minutes on Saltburn. Yeah. I was like, 
I'm kind of having fun to I my surprise. I agree 100%. Like, I was like, everyone's being too hard on this movie. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's super intelligent, but she is a very stylish, entertaining film. And like, it's literally about like when I went to British University, sure. I didn't go to Oxford, but still, it's set at a British university in the right. mid 2000s. I'm like, you used to I always kinda... come out of bathtubs. There's a lot of overlap. 100%. I love to fuck graves. And then. 80 I more, still haven't seen this. 80 movie. more minutes of the movie happen. Yeah. And it the extent to which I was out yes. by the end of it. And it ends. Well, you know what? I won't spoil it anymore. Yeah. I won't, I won't actually say what happens at the end, but I should be on board with the ending, is what I'm I was saying. relatively into the first hour of the movie. Yeah. And then I would say every minute past that point, I liked it 10% less Do you until I was deep in the negative. I think that movie is about nothing. I like Promising Young Woman, I think, more than either of you two do. Uh, yeah, I even though, hate that movie. Even though I think it is a, I don't like a, a deeply flawed film, I, I think there's some power in it for a first film. And then watching this, I was like, I gave her too much credit on the first one. I mean, this I, movie's like a I disaster. think she, you know, plays with fire and it it makes you think about stuff and it's it's invigorating or what, you know, but like, yeah, I but don't you know think who else good. does that but makes good movies? Yeah. Hot take, Lena Dunham. Sure. I mean, make, I make more movies, that. Lena. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, come bathtub. What were we talking bathtub. about? Oh, well, right. it's Carrie so, Mulligan. Yeah. Speaking of Maestro. Yes. Oh, sure. So, would you agree she's good in Saltburn? Yeah, she, she is. She actually yeah. kind of freaks it in Saltburn for, for 10 minutes. I think everyone's kind of good in Saltburn. I think one person is really bad in Saltburn. Hmm. We'll talk about it all. Okay. Like. Uh, Anyone anyway, else, I'm basically sure. it's fine. Back to the Angelica. Yes. Saltburn promotional cup. So yeah. you're souvenir. You're, you're underground in the we are, Angelica Theater we are sitting on Houston in, Street. We are sitting in like the second row, which is a good place to be at Angelica. We, you, the further back you're going at the Angelica, the more trouble you're giving. There's, yes. It's, yes. there's no rake. No. Every person who goes to the Angelica is 105 years yes. old. Yeah. You have to sit close. The theater, the screens are small there. Um, but yes, it was kind of a game time decision. Yeah. We were like, fuck, should we go see Maestro tonight? Mm-hmm. Made the plans like two hours before the movie started. Both were getting fucked a little bit by the trains. Got there just on time. Yes. Uh, but Griffin was able to get his snacks. Yes. Did not get your salt burn cup. Because they were sold out. They were sold out. out, which you did say on your Boy in the Heron episode. I did. Um, but uh, it was, despite it being Angelica, mm-hmm. not I the thought best it was a very good screening. We had uh, We had an applause break. Yeah, in the middle part. of the film when uh, he finishes the, conducting Mahler. the Mahler. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like the entire special effects team yes. was at our screening. They kept okay. on applauding the special effects credits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we were Good like, yeah, them. cool. Yeah. So maybe a family fun. member it was really, there. It or, really yeah. felt we were like we were at like a hometown but screening. It was, like a, it, was, it was like a Tuesday 7.30 or something. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But yeah. so early in its limited release. Yeah. It, it was yeah. right after, like the Tuesday after its first weekend. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a it was a corker. It, there was real energy in that place. And yeah, spontaneous applause break in a way that felt like I don't know, like how often audiences applaud at things in no, the no, sort no, of like, no, at a random just Tuesday screening, like you said, that's pretty unusual. Th- there's the sort of like opening night cap catches the hammer and game shit, right? Right. That was yeah, but then I like awesome. think about like when have I seen that kind of applause break? And it's like after, and I'm telling you, I'm not going when I saw Dream Girls, where people sure. were just kind of like involuntarily like, I I know she's not here, but what I just saw on screen. And it's so much wilder because you're like, you're just watching Bradley Cooper conduct. I know. It's not even like he's singing, <sighs> but it's such a physical moment. 
and well, the actual performance it, is so triumphant hearing the music and he did he did voice all the violins he did he once one at a time he dubbed himself in over yeah. yes have you you can watch the real performance mm-hmm. have you watched it uh, I it's actually, on YouTube. I it's actually, uh, so I rewatched My Star last night at home. I watched it this morning. Home and uh, I watched it with my husband, who's a big Bernstein Double humble guy. Brag. Triple humblebrag. Humble yeah. <laughs> uh, but were he, you hugging and kissing? We actually were because, like, there are some like really there you know are. intense it's a very emotional, emotional moments. It's a very emotional. Uh, but um, he pulled up on his phone. The uh, the, the real performance. Right. It's of, a real performance in a church. Is it the, uh, it's Mahler second. But how is it pronounced? Is it the Ellie Cathedral? The Eli Cathedral? It's E L Y. It's uh, in it's England. Eli. Eli. Okay. okay. Don't, don't fucking quote me on that. I'm always getting British pronunciation wrong. <laughs> uh, but he pulled up the uh, actual performance on his phone and was scrubbing through it to match the parts Wild. in the, the shown in the film. Yeah. And uh, while he's not mimicking like beat for beat yes the gestures they're like very it's maybe it is Eli hmm. I don't it's know. very also, uh on target in the movie the way it plays out is a oneer correct so you're also watching so, him I'm not sure I, there, it, there's a oneer at the there's end a very long which shot. reveals uh right. Carrie at oh, the you're end right, of it you're right. but so there's, I, there's some there's sustained yes. Yeah. Yes, yes the final piece of it yes. yeah I'm just remembering that that it's an shot which is so overwhelming yeah. moment Yes. Yes. And it's late in the film, and it's yes. you know I mean, emotionally look, pivotal. The case we made for covering *Stars Born* outside of it helped our ratings to cover new releases. A thing we no longer explicitly chase was like this movie is being is landing with the sort of uh, the feeling of here is a guy trying to build the kind of career that doesn't really exist anymore. Right. 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 Like these people we always cite, like Streisand, like Beatty, like Redford, like Eastwood, like Costner, like Gibson, these people who ascend to the A-list and are like, now I make my own movies. Now I tell my own stories. And outside of Redford, those people often would do those movies with themselves in the center. But it was sort of like, I'm leveraging my star power to express things that maybe don't seem overtly commercial and to try to bring like a sort of seriousness into mainstream cinema. And Star is Born, for a movie I have complaints about, uh, is Rolling like eyes. undeniably for that movie to make like close to $200 million, be a full cultural sensation, get all these Oscar nominations. It was just like, this is a movie for grownups. Like, this is a yeah. movie of like serious R-rated adult emotion. Grown up romance. Yep. Yes. It's probably, it's one of the most recent films that like my wife watches. All the time, right? You know what I mean. Like that I've, has entered I've seen like the that classics movie four rotation. times, which right. is a lot for me. Like, is it? Is there one of the versions of the the AMC Nicole Kidman ad that has Stars Born in it? I don't know. I don't go to AMC. Well, you know, I'm what? a Regal Clown Club member, baby. Okay. The Clown Club. You just called. <laughs> that is, I will. I'm drafting. From, no, I will. I'm drafting from, and I will shout them out. Uh, Fran, oh, sure. uh, Hoffner, and Bobby Finger, and various other friends of mine are in a group text called uh, Regal Clown Club okay. Club, where they arrange seeing Regal movies. Regal Clown Club. Now you're. All right, well, I messed that part up. Yeah, I am not in the group text. For sure. Um, I I do think about the the AMC Nicole Kidman ad having its own kind of canon. Mm-hmm. Of like this move th- that ad and there are a couple versions of them. They've updated them a couple times. But Have they? Like, yes. Because yeah, I feel like the last time I saw it, Creed Three is is it Creed Three that's in it or is Creed, it Creed One is in? It. Okay. 
They've updated a couple times, and they're also longer and shorter they're, cuts right. of There's it. There's a 15 okay. and a 30 right. along with the 60. I feel like one of them has Star is Born in it, but there's this canon that I always find really fascinating of them having to be like, we need to pick movies that aren't film history, that are within the last four years to make movie going still feel relevant. But, but they, they, ha- they, they have another one coming, you know. Well, they've said this for like 18 months. Well, we're waiting. Billy Ray a year ago said they filmed this thing, and it still hasn't been seen. But that's an entirely different script. Yeah, no, it's going to be a brand new thing. Right. right. We'll see. They're like, we hope it lives up to the expectation. And but I won't obviously... say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> what if we just start sneaking into like AMC projection booths and just putting Ben's thing? We've seen AMC movies and we've seen BC porches. And what if we told you that next year the two will collide? Um, Nicole's going to be wearing the buried jeans. She will. Yes. But I can't say more. Sure. But there is, there's this canon of, they're trying to like put movies on screen where it's like, what are movies that are classy enough that Nicole Kidman would go see them, but also have to have been actual blockbuster hits and maybe critically respected and make it feel like the cinema is still alive. And I feel like it's like Star is Born and Spider-Verse and Creed are like the things they're pulling from where it's like, this is Mm kind of like old school Wait, sorry, can I just do some breaking news? Yes, please. Uh, they're doing variety directors on directors. Sure. Okay. Okay. Bradley Cooper. Who is Bradley Cooper going to be talking to? I want to hear your guesses. Is it someone else who's in the race or just? No. Okay. I'm going to say it is Todd Phillips. No. He did the um, uh, DJ podcast oh, right. with them, yes. right? Yes. Well, they're best This friends. is someone who I did not know they had a prior relationship. Jason Bateman. Did not know they had a prior relationship. Didn't know they had a prior relationship, but they did? I don't know. Spike Lee. Oh, they do. Well, there's this big viral clip that you may or may not have seen uh, where they were on, I guess, the so 2018, Mm -hmm. the year of Star is Born. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spike Lee is also nominated for Black Klansman. Mm -hmm. And they did the DJ podcast, uh, does like the big three-hour, all five nominees up on stage being asked the same questions, right? Mm-hmm. And Bradley tells Spike, you know, I, I read for you once. I think it's probably for 25th Hour or like, you know, early in Bradley's career. And Spike is like, what? And Bradley's like, yeah, you know, I did my thing. And you were like, oh, thanks. Nice to meet you. You got me out of there fast. And Spike like starts laughing. Oh, my and God. And it's a really sweet moment. That's cool. So maybe, yeah, maybe they became pals on the 2018. I love that. I yeah. mean, I feel like there is a, they have a similar sense of scale and melodrama. That melodrama, they have a similar, like, they are both unafraid to make choices, yes. to have their voice be in the movie, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, yeah. their directorial voice. And yeah. Spike placed himself in his films a lot. He did? Uh, early on. I'm sure. um, and Bradley uh, Cooper is the Spike Lee of the Philadelphia Eagles. Correct. That That is very true. And should we just keep making comparisons between the two and yeah. see if we get in trouble? <laughs> Never. I'm sure. uh, just to close the loop on this, Billy Ray announces September 2022 <laughs> okay, that so he'd about written a year the script for the sequel. Ago. Okay. Well, things take time about in Hollywood. About a year and a half ago. Then what's his name? Adam Aaron, the head of AMC. Yeah. In May of 2023, said the script was written. They hadn't decided whether or not they were going to film it yet. It would debut either in late 23 or 24. I want to say the full Nicole Kidman AMC ad canon is. It's not long. Force Awakens, Jurassic World, Wonder Woman, La La Land, Creed, Spider-Verse, Star is Born. Those are the seven movies across all the okay. Assassin's Creed, though, too. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's yeah. Creed. And then all the video games, well, porches. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, it's, it's an interesting grouping. No, I know what you're talking about in terms of, right, like prestige, but big budget, 
um, you know, million, you know, hundred million dollar grocers. Four franchise films, but of the four, I would say Jurassic World is the only one that was not uh, critically it beloved. Got good reviews, people forget. And then, yeah, La La Land, Creed, Star is Born feel like, look, see, we still do it sometimes. Um, and so he did it. He with did it. As Star is Born. Another reason we did that episode is I saw that movie at TIFF and was like, oh my God, I'm yeah, in love, love with it. this thing. We have to do an episode. Right. And then you saw the movie and you were like, I didn't like it that much. I thought, which I, is, an, I'm sorry, Griffin. You're you're so rarely wrong about I, look, things. Look, I will rewatch it. You haven't rewatched it since. I maybe rewatched it that year. There are things that I think are phenomenal. You gotta rewatch it. I'm similar. You gotta take another look at it. <laughs> now, since a star is born, I'll say I, I'd be more interested in rewatching it now that I've I've watched the Stray Sand Star is born as well. Mm. Uh, right. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, since a star is born. Mm-hmm. Bradley had a small part in The Mule, which he honestly fucking crushes in. Mm. Yes. So isn't the same year as Star Wars? Yep. Uh, That's a favor to old Clint. But it's kind of, they have that really great scene in the diner. Of course. I, I really like it. But also, um, he probably shot all of that into Knowing Clint. No, probably required for that yeah. one. He's great. He's great in The Mule. Great in The Mule. Yeah. And hell, you know, Mule made money. Yeah. And he basically, post Star Wars Born, they says, drove that mule to 100 mil. What? Post-Star is Born, he kind of announces, I think I'm basically only going to act in my own projects now. But then, that turns Wrong. out not to be true. Why? Uh, Why? To, to you tell me. Well, Licorice but, Pizza! All right, we get, look, excuse me. All right, in 2019, yes. he was in the most financially successful film ever made, <laughs> Avengers Endgame, voicing uh-huh. Rocket the Raccoon. Right. Which, can we just, for half a second here, talk about how smartly he wove between the traffic cones on that where it's like uh, so many of our best actors are caught in these big franchises that take them away from serious right, movies they don't get years to do of their lives. Else. He right. gets to play one of the most beloved characters. Everyone yep. knows it's him. He does a great job. He does a great job. But what does that take him? A week? You yeah. Know? And he'll do the press tour and everyone's like, you got a character that we get to ask you about in interviews and go, oh, you're Marvel character. Tell us this. He's not fucking tied up forever. Yeah. And he's uh, still collecting that paycheck, oh, I was about to say, Plus, uh, a big old wheel of cheese shows up <laughs> in his house every year. It's also very clear he loves Rocket when he does interviews. Yeah, he, he cares about that character. And, he's, he's, and the performance, performance is great. It shows. He's really good in those movies. Yes. Uh, he also produced Joker. That's another wheel of cheese. Well, he's got mm-hmm. his shingle with Todd Phillips. Who, exactly. Did, did Phillips end up getting an EP credit on this? No. No, it's I was produced waiting. by Martin Scorsese and, and Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. That's why I was waiting to see all three Oscar-nominated directors, yeah. Spielberg, Scorsese, and Phillips <laughs> in the end credits. But Phillips did not produce this one, right? Uh, I don't did, think so. No. Did produce Star is Born. Uh, or at least executive produce yeah. or something? I don't know. Um, they had their shingle together. Uh, Phillips did ex- produce Star Thank is Born. Thank Thank I you. couldn't remember if it was producer or executive produced. Well, I remember. one of those. Um, yeah. 2021. Mm-hmm. He does performs in two movies yes. that he did not direct. Well, Paul I, Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza and Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Oh, I'm I forgot about up. Nightmare Alley. I'm setting this up. And I think he's miscast in Nightmare Alley. He's I agree. a little miscast. His dick I, ain't miscast. But he is Agreed. fabulous his in Licorice Pizza. He's phenomenal. Exactly. I, I think he's, I gave him Best Supporting Actor yeah, that year. You did. And, uh, you know, he was unfairly summed up an Oscar, in yeah. my opinion. Yes. Uh, or agree. at least a nom. Yes. Should have uh, gotten the nom. I think he's... I don't know what to make of Nightmare Alley. I kind of want to rewatch it. I need to rewatch it. He as makes well. sense as like a Tyrone Powery guy. Like on I, paper. 
Right. And I think like he's going for it in that movie and it's not like an embarrassing performance in the slightest. I, the ending basically works for me because the, the, ending, the ending of that movie incredible. is awesome. I think that's one of his best moments as an actor. But I do kind of, yeah, remember feeling like Bradley was good. He was fine. Like, yeah, didn't, I, you I, know. I Look, I, I found myself a little confused by some of his choices. But he, I think it was his actors on actors that year, which he did with Mahershala. Sure. Who he worked with a couple times at least. He worked with, I know, on Place Beyond the Pines and mm. maybe something else I'm forgetting. Mm. Um, but he was saying, post Star is Born, I go, great. Like, m- my stardom is a thing I want to leverage for my movies I want to direct. I'm not going to farm myself out to other films yeah. in the same way. And then he said, Licorice Pizza was both A, COVID lockup. I'm antsy as hell. Right. That movie comes together. Small role. Right. And yeah. it's just like, and it's PTA. I can't turn this down. Right. right? And then he said. And also, he had worked with John Peters to some extent. And mm-hmm. so he had, absolutely. had an angle on the yes. No, absolutely. But he was like, this is the kind of thing I would do. Is like a small part for a great director just to be on their set for a couple days and watch how they work. And he was like, Nightmare Alley was the type of thing I was like, I'm not doing this anymore unless I'm directing it. But DiCaprio was the first choice. He was. Was close to doing it. Yep. Bows out. Probably makes more sense for it. I think DiCaprio would have been better in that. And I like Bradley better as an actor overall. I don't know how. I think both of them are too old. I suppose so. Possibly, but then who's the younger guy who fits who's into the, that? Who's the fucking Tyrone Power? Who's the guy? I'm who's thinking. the guy, Marie? Who's got the Riz? Jacob Elordi. I don't fucking know. Tim like, Allen's just... Right. I'm going to say I'm, this I now. Say, I get it. I get it. I get it too, but I am now putting a ban, and I'm not talking about our podcast. I'm talking about film Twitter. Yeah. No suggesting of Jacob Elordi for everything. Everyone's already doing that up on the hills He's become, of Hollywood. Yes. We get it. It's become too easy. We're about to have a fucking Jude Law experience with this guy. He's yes. a good actor. He's charming. He's talented. He's handsome. He's And tall. I think he's making good choices. That's yes. fine. But, but now gotta, it's gonna be he's like gotta be could Elordi play Superman and Batman? Don't don't do it. It's Jason. just gonna that's what it's gonna be. Yeah. All no. right. Speaking of Batman, Pattinson. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Pattinson would have been really good. Pattinson. He's, he's a good actor. Pattinson. I, I'm here for anything he does right yeah. now. No, but Bobby would have been really Aaron. good in Nightmare Alley. I am the Heron. As he put it. I am it, the Heron. As Bradley Cooper put it in this Mahershala one-on-one. He was like, they went straight from DiCaprio to me. It's an honor. Yeah, and he was like, look. And it's Del Toro. is a, a serious director. It's his follow-up to a Best Picture winner. Yes, but he also was like, I have to admit, like, I don't want to sound this petty about it, but, like, I just accepted five years ago that I was never going to be seen as on that tier of those guys, where it was just, like, the top tier that the best Oscar-winning filmmakers want to work with is Pitt, Clooney, DiCaprio, and he was just like, I was trying to will myself to that tier, and I just accepted. They never want me. There's a ceiling to what I get cast in. I want to make my own movies. And he was like, I just honestly, the fact that he offered it to me, I had to do it. Almost out of, like, spite. Not that he took, played no, the no, role spitefully. I no. But I thought that was so telling that he was spiteful. like, for, for a guy who's that big of a star to talk that openly about sort of his feeling of where he ranks, and also... For a guy who's of a similar age, he's been famous for far less time than those guys. He has. He's been known for a long time, Acted but not for a really while. famous yes. or but you're like, or DiCaprio's whatever. DiCaprio's been a star for 10 years by the time Bradley starts working, and even, let alone it's another no, yeah, 10 years before Bradley becomes an A-lister. Even once Bradley becomes an A-lister. And in, and in his 2010. mind, he's like, I never 
hit that tier. Like when Bradley's in the David O. Russell movies, I'm kind of watching them being like, I'm sorry I won't be sold on Bradley Cooper as an A-list actor. Like I had that chip on my shoulder about him. I had a bit of it too. And I think he's pretty fantastic in Silver Lion's playbook. But I also think my takeaway was, huh, David O. Russell got a really good performance out of Bradley Cooper, which in retrospect is rude and absurd to give that much credit to David O. Russell. But that was also his his moment of being the whisperer. Um, the movie that turned me around on him was American Sniper, which is like a movie I didn't even like that no. much, but I was like, I think he kind of is amazing in I this. agree. He's kind of undeniable in it. And you're uh, also just like, this guy is like going in weird directions. In 2022, he fulfilled a lifelong dream artistically. Uh-huh. Okay. He voiced Rocket Raccoon in a Taika Waititi Thor movie. Yes. Love and Thunder. The dream. It's another wheel of cheese. Yeah. Uh, in 2023, he appeared in three of the best movies of the year. Maestro, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, yeah, okay. Wait, just go with me. And Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Oh, I he's so good about Dungeons and Dragons. Never forget. Good movie. But that happens because he's still fucking texting buddies with John Francis Daly. Back from Kitchen Confidential. Correct. And I guess, I think it was something like, they shot that whole scene with a stand-in. If you read the interview. Or maybe I, another actor. It sounds like it was Dexter Fletcher. Uh, Sure. That's what I've. That surmised. was your. You did some sort of like sleuthing. Yeah, about this. I feel like we did this together. I yes, remember being right. A part we of were this texting about talking about the yes. guy from the Star Wars movies. Yeah, they got Dexter Jetster originally. They got him in there, and then he got canceled. He his, got canceled. Uh, his many hands were a little too busy. Oh, I'm sorry. Dexter. I'm joking. Dexter Fletcher would never touch anyone against. Neither them. would Dexter Jetster. <laughs> sorry, neither would Dexter Jetster. <laughs> um, and then right, they put him in later. He's wonderful in that movie in this sort of like incredibly yes. like Bradley Cooper kind of open heart performance, uh-huh. yeah. like for one scene. But that's like right this as uh, Michelle Rodriguez. He's like, gnome look, I'll ex-boyfriend. jump in and do a little thing. I'll do favors for friends. I'll do Rocket. But he's like, if I'm starring, it's my shit. He's lined up a couple new projects now that are all sort of like Bradley is eyeing to direct and star. Right. 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 There's the the Will Arnett one. There's the. Uh, uh, what should I call it? The Christian Bale, and and he just signed on for some CIA thriller. Did they? Let's see. Yeah, Bradley Cooper, Christian Bale. But that Movie. new story was Bradley is considering directing. Like it seems like most best of enemies. Yes, isn't that the title of a Gore Vidal yeah, sure. documentary? Yes. Yeah. yeah, who cares? The Buckley Vidal. Buckley. Buckley Vidal. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah. who's the who's the conservative? I it's also, isn't name. that also what you know? Come on, what was that awful movie about? Of um, oh, the Taraji P. Henson? Yeah, Taraji P. Henson and Sam yeah, Rockwell. That was called the like best. That. that was called the best of enemies. Wow. So maybe they want to change the Maybe name. they want to change the of title. Of course, not, no one remembers that happened. That movie. I, do, I don't remember that happened. There's been a maestro project floating around for a long time. Yes. You mentioned this on the Star is Born episode where yes. you say that it was going to be a Carrie Fukunaga Jake Gyllenhaal collaboration. No, that's a, a rival project. project. Oh. There are two Bernstein projects. Like 10 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> if not more, it came out as one of the things Spielberg was considering. Right. Yes. Because now he's finally slowed down, but it always used to be Spielberg would put six movies on his plate per year and right. then say which one's ready to go, I'll jump into it. And it was originally announced that he was considering doing a, a, a maestro film, this basic version of the movie, although I think Bradley turned to its own thing, with Zachary Quinto. That was the original story. Okay. That that's what he was considering. Well, so Scorsese was then... All right, so, okay. So in 2010... No, Quinto... Wait, okay. Quinto, Quinto and Spielberg was, were... No, sp- Quinto was going to play George Gershwin for I am Spielberg. so sorry. Yes, I knew... I Right, because it was... Because that was a 2010 
God, when Spielberg, remember this, was going to remake Harvey? Yes. Thank God he did He was going to do it with that. Hanks? Yes. That would have been right. so And bad. he was going to do George Gershwin right off of Star Trek with Quinto. Yes. Quinto was hot stuff. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, George Gershwin, if people don't know, died very young. Like, it's yeah. a sort of like, you know, it's an interesting story for a movie to do one day. I'm an idiot and I combine the two You're people not in an my idiot. head and my memory. Because the thing was... Scorsese was going to make this movie. Right. And he is, of course, a producer on it. Yes. Then Scorsese drops out because The Irishman happens. Did Scorsese ever have an actor? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I can probably try and find out. But um, then Spielberg... <sighs> Sorry, Wikipedia is not being helpful on this yeah. anyway. Like, Spielberg definitely at some point wanted to make this movie mm -hmm. and steps aside for Cooper. I think Cooper is... A person he initially approached to star. Correct. And then I think, I guess, realized, like, you are very invested in this in every way. The story I heard Cooper tell is that Cooper Cooper's, like, obsessed with conductors and says that when he was a child, he used to play conductor in his bedroom and originally wanted to be a conductor. What a little cutie pie. I like what a dork Bradley Cooper he's, is. Me too. And then when he talks about projects, he's like, you're not going to believe me, but this thing that this movie is about is my number one interest in the world. <laughs> And you're always like, oh, come on, get off it. And then he goes so hard on it that you're like, you're actually a little too into this. Right. Um, but he knows that Spielberg has this Meister project. He wants to play Leonard Bernstein. He talks about uh, how how badly he wants to play this role. He screens Star is Born for right. he Spielberg. He shows him Spielberg. This is oh, some months before the movie comes out or even plays festivals to try to show Spielberg, look, here's a little acting sample reel to show you. And he says, at the shallow scene, which is the big scene of the movie, obviously, uh, Spielberg gets up from his chair and he's like, oh my God, he fucking hates the movie. And he's going to the bathroom during my big scene. Right. And Spielberg walks over to him in the screening room and leads into his ear and says, you're directing this fucking movie. All right. As Bradley tells it, which is a cool ass story. Uh, yeah. That Spielberg uh, yeah. watching Star is Born was like, you know what? You're not starring in my movie. You're making it. Hands it over to him. David? Yes? Ugh. What's the matter? Ugh. Did you just eat something? No, it just tells me to say that here in the copy. Look, it's that time of the year again. That one time of year where your sponsors write ugh, ugh. in the copy. Classic Christmas movies, televised Thanksgiving parades, heartwarming holiday rom-coms. Anyone else sick of it? Ugh. 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 <laughs> I'm feeling... sick of this! I am not going to take it anymore! Look, I know I am. This holiday season, Griffin, which is what you're referring to, that time of year. The worst time of year. I've decided to give myself a gift. What? The gift of ExpressVPN. You're not going to believe this. I have decided to give myself the same gift. Yes! You know why? Because ExpressVPN is the app that lets you change your online location. <laughs> lets you trick Netflix. And who <laughs> doesn't enjoy that? You trick Netflix and you get a little treat Putting under your camo on and suddenly Netflix is like, I don't get it. What country are you? Treat like, what... under the tree. It's a whole new library of content because if you didn't know, Netflix has different shows in every country. So, for example, let's say you could use ExpressVPN to binge The Office on UK Netflix. That's something you can do in the States. No, you can't. No. Maybe you want to watch uh, Christmas specials. Sure. As much as the copy started out by saying we all hate that. Taskmaster. Taskmaster, well, Taskmaster, certainly you've been trying to get me to watch for a very long time. It's oh, all God, on UK Netflix. Uh, but but I, I love, I love the, the Rankin-Bass specials. 
Okay. Are they not available? Well, they're spread out. Sometimes uh, this one's missing from here and some of those over here and whatever. I'm trying to maybe be a little more of a completist and fill some of the gaps of the ones I haven't watched before. That's why I like using Express VPN. It's so simple to do, David. I just fire up the Express VPN app on my computer or TV or phone, anything, tablet. It uh, works on everything. It's easy. I'm it's sorry. Truly, that was from earlier in the copy. Uh, it truly is a one button process. You go boop. You drop down from the menu, you go, yep. where do I want to be? Change you just it go, to a different country, boop. you refresh Netflix or whatever you're using, that's yeah. it. You can choose from over 100 different countries, you can go through all their Netflix libraries, Disney+, Plus, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. Disney+, Plus, Hulu, old news. Star. Jump over the pond. It's called Star the pond. over Disney there. Plus Star is uh, what they have. Other VPNs in the past are super slow. Yes. I've tried the, some of these things, but ExpressVPN, so fast. Never any buffering. Never any lag. All shows stream in HD quality. So, And look, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I say it every time they have us on as a sponsor. If you're someone who listens to this show, you like to watch along, sometimes it irks you. Oh, this thing had been on Netflix for the last four months. Now I want to watch it because they're covering it on the show, and it's gone. I go over, I search through Australian Netflix, Irish Netflix, British Netflix, and sometimes that movie that had disappeared happens to be in one of those other places. It's a very helpful tool for our listeners. Uh, if you're sick of the, all the cheesy shows on Netflix this holiday season, gift yourself brand new library of content. Go to expressvpn.com slash check right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash check. Check expressvpn.com slash check to learn more. Apparently, like, Cooper is the one who says to Spielberg, like, I want to do it like a portrait of a marriage. Like, I don't just want to do a traditional biopic, blah, blah, blah. He, I guess, has more of an angle. Spielberg basically drops Maestro to do West Side Story. Right. Like, and and you're... Metaphor, like he had the six things on his plate. This was one of them. Eventually, he picks the steak. It's funny that they're like, do do I want to make the movie about Bernstein or do I want to make a movie of Bernstein's work? Right, 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 right. I said right a bunch of times. Right, there is yes, there is a competing project, however, Mm -hmm. Murray, which was Carrie Fukunaga, I believe, was the final director attached to it, which was Jake Gyllenhaal, Mm -hmm. who is Jewish, who is unlike Bradley Cooper. Um, and it was called The American, mm-hmm. and uh, it basically lost out on, like, the rights to Leonard Bernstein, if that makes sense. They yeah. picked well, it's, it the Spielberg Project. Well, it seems like the, the, Bernst- the Bernstein kids were very involved right. in this project. Yes. They were. They've they been were. at, like, every single premiere of yes. it. They stand up. They start conducting like their dad. My brother at one point sent me a text of that, of them doing that, being like, the strike needs to end. We need Bradley <laughs> Cooper. We can't just have these guys doing this. Like, oh, no. <laughs> can, I, can I say, by the way, I deeply respect, because, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not going to call out other people, but there were some people who were playing kind of dirty pool during the strike of being like, well, I'm doing this promotional appearance in my capacity as a producer, sure. not as an actor. They were not breaking the rules, but maybe not the as spirit of the strike right. was a and little... And Bradley Cooper is someone who's in several guilds. He's PGA, WGA, He DGA, certainly could have promoted SAG. this movie. And he was like, look, two of my four guilds are on strike. I'm not promoting it. It premiered at Venice. He, he did wasn't go there. to the New York Film Festival yeah. premiere to sit in the audience of course, and do the sound that's check. Sweet. That's cool. Which is like, because I felt so bad. Yeah, I felt terrible. But like, I'm also, I respect the hell out of him that he like yeah. went to his New York Film Festival 
premiere, he easily could have gotten up and been like, I'm only here as a director, my solidarity with with the other unions. And he was like, no, I'm a big star. It, it makes a bigger statement if I don't fucking do this and shit. And now he has a cheesesteak truck and you can go get a cheesesteak from him in the West Village. Bobby Wagner and I are making plans to go this way. Wait, why uh, didn't you include me? Why don't you me? invite me? Well, well, I had lunch. Wait, when has Bobby replaced me as your Philadelphia friend? Wow. This is I'm huge. like genuinely insulted. I'll you in on the plans. Um, What's uh, the Philly cheesesteak thing? So, he, so I go to get lunch with Fran Hoffner, who I just invoked. Well, 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 <laughs> well, well, well. Lunch with Hoffner. As Fran Hoffner replaced me as your lunch. <laughs> and she shows up to the lunch and she says, Maestro's on, you know, on, on, on 6th Avenue. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Fran? Because Fran loves to do a bit. Especially a bit about Maestro. Right. You're like, and There's then no she movie like, theater on 6th Street. Where could it be playing? <laughs> and she shows me a picture. She's like, I had to go see Maestro. She shows me a picture of Bradley working the line in a food truck that's making Philly cheesesteaks for, you know, paying customers. All the money goes to charity, I believe. What's the name of the pizza place, Marie? Is it's it like Tony Angela's, oh, Angela's Pizza, yeah. South yes. Philly? But I think it was it Tony and Coops or it's something? It's called Tony and Coops. It's called Tony and Coops. Is but it's the name of the truck. a Bradley Cooper cheesesteak venture. And I said to Fran, like, is he... And he was making is he, Right. I, I was like, is he taking orders? Is he, like, chatting with people? And she she's was like, like, no. On the fucking He's grill. in the back. He's chopping steak. Yeah. So, venture... Unpack that. What are you? What does that well, mean? What people, You're saying is he making what because the strike was yes. dragging on so long. Maybe he was just like, you know what? I'll just fucking do this. Like if I can't like, <laughs> like he's, do anything he's else, becoming a restaurateur. He's just trying to think of ways, to, ways to get himself out there uh-huh. as promotional stunts that are not, that would not be considered breaking. But this the strike. is the other. This is like there's that part of it. There's that part of it which now the strike is over and he can do whatever he wants. There's some question of some savviness of like. You need ways to keep your name and your face right. in the public that associates you with the movie that's out at the same time without directly promoting the other movie. So what's another venture you can do? But this dork part of Bradley Cooper, 15 years ago, he does the fucking Kitchen Confidential TV show for Fox. Right. He plays Anthony Bourdain, and he's like, well, I'm actually going to learn how to cook very right. seriously. And he, did burnt. and he does. He becomes a really, really good cook. And then he's like, I need to find another movie because I'm so good at cooking and that show got canceled <laughs> that I need another place to put this. Put me on any chef script you got. So he was in this burnt. shitty cook movie to like show off that he could do all this shit. And now he's just straight up. There's like video you can watch where it's like, oh, he is just working the line in this food truck. I want that cheesesteak. Yeah, Let's go get we're it. We're trying to track so down where it is. I, and Marie I, will be invited. I know and where. Ben, you will be invited. It's I, village. I know where it's been it is. It's moving around a little bit. I, uh, so I was working from home that day and my humble, humble brag, brag husband was out in the city. And once I saw the Was Bradley- he texting you hugs and kisses? Yes. Like, love you, baby, and I love you, too. Okay, because okay. um, if he wasn't, I was going to have to. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, take him aside. Uh, come but, on, blow it this David, buddy. come on. But I, like, I saw the Bradley Cooper news, and then I fucking called him. Yeah. And he thought there was an emergency. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what's wrong? He's, like, racing out of a meeting being like, what and, is it? And I'm like, are you still in the city? He's like, no, I just got back to Brooklyn. What? What do you need? And I'm like, oh, god damn it. Bradley Cooper has a cheesesteak truck in the West Village. He's like, I just had lunch with him half an hour ago. <laughs> like, you called me because he wanted me to go stop by Bradley Cooper's cheesesteak truck? Amanda, yes. Amanda brought it up on the big picture and Bobby was like, how the fuck did you not tell me this? I'm in New York. Why didn't you tell me this? So then I texted Bobby immediately and was like, we have to go because I heard him say it. But now I'll I'll make it all. Chopped liver? I know. I like. Chopped liver. I don't know. I well, might I'm have to like, leave this podcast episode early. No, 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 listen, Maestro. The thing I will say about the competing project to get us right back on track, yes, is that it's a script 
by Michael Mitnick, who wrote two great movies, The Giver and The Current War. Yikes. A plus. Um, hey, excuse me. To this podcast. Excuse me, Michael. <laughs> excuse me. He was also a staff writer on vinyl, so his track record is perfect. Oh, Impeccable. And in my experience, a very nice guy. That's awesome. I'm no, sure he's no. a And nice he's guy. a playwright. He might listen. Like he might listen. Oh, uh, God damn, cut all of this out. <laughs> no, he's a, he's, a, he's a playwright. He's one of the many playwrights who, you know, started doing Hollywood stuff. Um, he's also, he's also uh, he, he has a lot of musical experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. He adapted, apparently, uh, the you know fucking tome of a 2001 right. biography called Leonard Bernstein. So my guess is mm-hmm. that movie is maybe more of your a classic soup to nuts. To tomb. Yes. Um and you know that project is supposedly kind of still in development I guess. We'll see. But, right. Yeah. Uh, there's it's a couple hiccups there. Um but because of I think Spielberg you know, is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Winning over the Bernstein family, making West Side Story, things like that. He gets the rights to the music, essentially. Yes. But do we know the script that Scorsese and Spielberg were working off of? Because basically... because no this movie's credited to Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. Well, no, Singer. It, Josh, it, Singer's Josh Singer, yeah. he had written the script. Oh, he had. Yes. Okay. And that makes then sense. when Bradley took over the project, gotcha. they rewrote it Obviously, together. Obviously, Josh Singer wrote the post for Spielberg. Yes. Uh, he With Liz Hanna, he wrote The First Man screenplay. Uh, Spotlight won an Oscar. Uh, he wrote Spotlight. But First Man is like especially it's like that's him taking another you sure. know, head-sized biography of Neil Armstrong and turning it into something else. Yes. Um, so uh, then he, Bradley puts on a bunch of makeup. Well, he gets in the um, Let's say the other the thing guy. that happens. What's the other thing that happens? This film is set up at Paramount. Yes. And then whatever it was 18 months ago, they announced Paramount is selling this to Netflix. And you and I text each other Irate. Like, what the fuck is Paramount doing? Right. This was also coming in a run of They're Paramount, like, too. fire sale, uh, fire selling off a bunch of projects where it's like, why are they giving up Beverly Hills Cop to Netflix? Right. And it felt off of Star is Born, the rare sort of crossover serious movie where you're like, if you got Bradley Cooper, why wouldn't you bet on this guy? Right. How expensive could this movie be? I will say, now having seen Maestro, and I think this is to the credit of Maestro as a movie, I can understand why Paramount was terrified at the notion of doing this. Because he wanted to do a very abstract, expressionistic version of this story. Um, I, I, I give Netflix all the credit in the world for letting him make this movie this way. Sure. And I'm just like very happy that it exists. Me too. And feels like it was supported. Yeah, it was also kind of a big deal for Netflix and Spielberg to be in business together because Spielberg had been yeah. very openly critical of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's much to criticize with Netflix, but yes, they obviously do get behind some weird auteur movies every year. Yeah, and it feels like this is perhaps one of the last huge... You say we'll that. We'll see. We say it every year, though. I know. And we say it in my sort of film critic community of like, right, is this the end of Netflix's kind of like Oscar strategy it just felt like when coda won best picture they went like you know what this is no longer our priority forget it we're not like knocking on that door anymore but i do think it's just gonna be like a couple at least movies a year that they're still positioning for awards that are like this i don't know they're two big movies this year obviously this and may december but but they have naiad they have rustin may december they're acquired and i think that might be more what they do going forward maybe we'll see who knows um the film is made. Uh, it stars Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. That's really it, right? I mean, everyone else in this is supporting to minor. Like the, Sarah this is Silverman, two-hander. Maya Hawk, 
Matt Bomer. Yeah. Um, Michael Yuri. Gideon Glick. I mean, it's got great Moonlight actors. Zone, Gideon Glick. Yeah. But Another like, Philadelphia person, well, Griffin. Uh, I, I love Gideon Glick. He's invited he's to the cheesesteak run. Along with Marie and Ben and David. My best friends, Bobby, a, Marie, a Ben, and David. A mob of people swamped Bradley Gideon Cooper's Glick. cheesesteak truck yesterday. Griffin Newman said everyone kept inviting themselves. <laughs> uh, Josh Hamilton. In yes. a role that I, I just found out was supposed to be played by Jeremy Strong. Oh, really? I cannot imagine how hard he would have gone. I mean, that because that, that was just like shameless exposition. Dub. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the, okay, so. All right. Jeremy Strong would have said, I can't do my scenes until I've gone through four years of journalism. <laughs> right. Which is probably why Jeremy Strong that. is like, I have to become the world's best classical music reporter. Yeah. So call me back. Yeah. You can wait five years for me, <laughs> right? right? I'm chasing, fuck, I was going to do a joke about the guy. I already forgot his name. Which guy? You know, the most famous guy. Who's the most famous guy now? Jesus Christ? Yeah, that guy. No, no, no. Taylor Swift? No, no. In the classical music world, the come on, the the Mozart in the Jungle is based on him. Ah, oh, uh, Mozart. <laughs> Damn it, Griffin. Tomas Ade? Uh, what's no. his name? Betamel? Betamel? Gustavo Gustavo Dudamel. Okay. Um, I was close. So this film... <laughs> I had two syllables, right? That was worth it. If yeah. I could just kick us off with my observation on the first Three thing syllables. in this movie. Yeah. You got Bradley Cooper. And I'm seeing, by the way, I'm seeing at the New York Film Festival. Yeah. We're all oh, bubbling Brad. with anticipation. Yeah, Some of us had to just go to the Angelic on a Tuesday. Yep. Sit there with the lowly VFX crew <laughs> who weren't even invited to... <laughs> New York Film Festival, <laughs> seemingly. Is Donald Trump about to show up? It seems like you're about to get into that impression. That dog, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> didn't even invite his VFX. saying terrible things about him. They say no CGI, no CGI. <laughs> I look at the credits, 40 people CGI. Invisible effects, they're calling it. I can't even, you I don't know, even want to yeah, do Your Donald Trump has like a twinge of Regis film. <laughs> yeah, more than a twinge. Because oh, I don't want to do it. The two have the same spirit of New York. I find talking like him funny, <laughs> and I find actually doing the voice uh, depressing. Okay. So the first scene is Bradley Cooper. Like a dog. In all his makeup. Yes. Right? Old man Cooper ruminating. Marie turns to me and goes, this makeup is kind of incredible. And the I neck. go, it truly might be the best old age makeup I've the ever seen. The neck is so, it's so the, good. Um, Kazuhiro. It's Kazuhiro, the, yeah. uh, the guy. The yeah, guy. Sort of like the guy who you call. Um, he, he was a, a Rick Baker protege who got very disillusioned with the entertainment industry and left it behind and started making, Ben, if you want to look this up, his medium became giant busts of real figures. So he would make like a nine foot tall bust of Abraham Lincoln that was entirely photorealistic. They look very cool. You can, you can look, look them up. up. They're huge. But he you like has walk two around Oscars them and, and was like, I'm done. And Gary Cooper had worked with him. When he signs Bradley on, Cooper. I'm, I don't no, know. No, 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 I'm sorry. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, sure, sure, sure. Gary Cooper, on sadly, never got to Probably work with Kazuhiro. Probably not. He didn't get to do him when he was <laughs> playing Lou Gehrig or something. I don't know. Uh, Gary Oldman, when he signs on for Darkest Hour, reaches out to Kazuhiro. And, and he's is, like, I'm retired. Like, I'm done. I, don't I do left it. it. Right, and he's right. like, I will not do this movie if you can't do the makeup. And he does it, and he wins the Oscar, and now he's back, and he did... Uh, bombshell. He got an Oscar for Bombshell as well as for Darkest Hour, yeah. and uh, like you said, he's the guy you call. Yes, but it's it's Maestro talking, right? He, you know, he's ruminating. I forget exactly what he's saying, but it's he's along the lines of you, about. you know talking about his wife yes. and how he misses her he and all like, that. He's talking about no, sometimes I, I, 
Julia, the housekeeper, sees Julia. her. Right, talking about how people, the my kids the have never seen her. Murray's doing the voice really well. You're doing it really well. I do a really good Carrie Mulligan, just you fucking wait. And then you're leaning there. into this. And yeah. then what do we cut to, Griffin? The other side of the conversation, a camera crew. Yeah. Lights. Yeah. It's a performance. Yes. The whole movie is right there. That's like, that is the movie he's making, where it's like, this is real, but also like he always... Is like you know talking to the audience, there, right? Like, yeah, how a, do you separate these? A two private things? and a public self, right? And they get mixed up. Yes, I saw a review that criticized this performance, which I think is an incredible performance. I think it's an excellent performance. But their argument was it, he is so perfectly studied the voice, the mannerisms, the energy. You can tell it's like a perfect approximation of the public Leonard Bernstein. But it feels so studied and so controlled. You want some life to come in. I'm like, that's the whole That's the idea. That's the idea. Is that there are the brief glimpses where you're seeing the guard down and they are so brief because this is a guy. A lot of this movie is about like having the type of raw talent and ability. And charisma. And charisma Mm -hmm. that you basically become like a presidential candidate, Right. The way people hover around you and they're like, here's the potential of what you can accomplish and here's how you need to conduct your life, no pun intended, if you want to have the impact you could possibly have. And here's a guy who's just like so, you know those stress toys that are like the weird, this sort of orangey rubber guys and you squeeze them and the ears and the eyes pop out? Right. Right. Like that's another thing I think this movie is about of like this guy who is just like seemingly at all times so in control and is squeezing himself so tightly that it just like starts to spurt out at moments, but will not let himself ever really relieve tension. Um, but yes, he's talking to this crew. Marie and I turn to each other. We're like best old age makeup we've ever seen. It's not just that it looks great, that it looks realistic, that it looks like the real Leonard Bernstein, but it's also like it's moving correctly. Yeah, it's fl- it's fleshy. Right. It's like actually fleshy. Like often when like old age makeups have like waddles under the neck, you're like, right, but it's like rigid. And when they talk, it falls apart. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about the nose thing for like five seconds. Marie and I both sang. For five seconds. Okay. I I don't give a shit. Okay, great. Let's move on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His kids are uh, the, the Bernstein family's okay with it. So I mean, I just don't care. I, I, I hate this shit. Can I, I talk about? It. Can I say the five second thing? David now has his head on the desk. Just next time you want to write an article about the Leonard Bernstein nose, wait for the fucking movie, guys. No, I agree. And I, then you can write about. It. I think everything that people find distracting about is not distracting within the context of the movie itself. I I do think like. Bradley has a big schnoz to begin with. He's has to age multiple, like through multiple eras. He's going to be caked under makeup. Yeah. For large portions of the movie anyway. He maybe didn't need to put it on for the youngest age, but I also, it did not bump against me at all while actually you watching know, when, the movie. When it's in motion, it doesn't really. It doesn't really matter. And there's also less of the film at that age, the youngest age, than you would think. Yes. So it goes from this interview mm-hmm. to, you found it, Ben. Pretty cool, huh? That's so cool. Isn't that yeah. fucking awesome? It's I personally, really fucking awesome. Is it 3D printed? No, it's sculpted. No, he makes it. Yeah. Whoa. That's This guy's like the best. Holy shit. Human portraiture sculptor. But he also, uh, what, the other big one he did was Looper. 
Yes. Which was like a makeup job that people thought was impossible. Like how you can't make these two guys look so Ooh, wow. Sorry. Just quickly interrupt. Netflix just published audience viewing hours for nearly every show and movie on its service during the first six months of the year. Ooh, interesting. Anything fun? No. No. Um, (laughs) um, So what's cool is they're so big. So we're cutting to. Yeah, they're huge. They are huge. Academy ratio, black and yes. white, yeah. young Lenny, right? Yes. Yeah. But we're not cutting to like he's six years old and he's watching the Boston Pops. No. And he's like, Daddy, I want to be a conductor one day. And he says, like, you shut up. You're gonna do the family business, Jewish laundry, or whatever it is that hair. we do. It's hair. Hair, hair laundry. No, it's like uh You'll live in the Lower East Side forever, even though we're from Boston. Bring bring, hello, conductor is sick. You're taking the main stage tonight. It's the call he's been waiting for for his entire it's, life. Of but course, start, a real thing that happened. Yes. It's the moment that makes his career. And it's the thing the movie talks about. Would the career have happened inevitably no matter what? Was that a lucky break? Probably. But or was that just... He, but he was so young. Of course. He was this you know, first American-born conductor ever to compose... Yeah, to Seizes conduct the, the moment. Harmonic. Yes. But he gets this call. It's the call he's been waiting for. He stands up triumphantly. He opens the curtains yep. to his bedroom. The light pours into the room. And we see the buttocks of a naked man lying face down in the yes. bed. And Maria and I turn to each other and we're like, fucking yes. he, and cinema! He, and, and he gives uh, the butt a little uh, bump a bump. He plays the drums on the butt. He gives he him a little, little Matthew McConaughey. So this, you know, a little I, bongo. I uh, had a question about this, this scene. Just one shot. Because uh, when we watched it in the theater, yes. I remember being really struck by how high contrast yes. the blacks were. Yeah. Like it, you could barely see that there was another person in the bed until the end of the scene. That sequence. is exactly what I like about it. You're and kind of surprised felt like the at the reveal. Yes. But when I watched it at home uh, on a DVD screener, on a DVD screener, it was not, it did not look as good. Okay. And so I don't know how it's going to look well, under gotta, Netflix you, compression. Well, you need the HD though. You got to get that the 4K deep, Netflix. The deep blacks. Yeah, the maybe HDR. you get the deep black. But obviously, look, Bradley Cooper is going to be the first one to tell you, like, I prefer you see this in a big theater with the really first. loud yeah. sound. Like, you know, he loves a, but he runs out of the butt well, playing. Well, first of all, it's just, it's, it's a, a trick of cinematic language that I always love, which is you stay on the same shot and you realize the shot is something different than what you think it is. Right. Right? Like, there's no cut here. There's no trickery. Mm. It's just, as we're saying, through contrast and through shadows, the light is revealing that this scene is something different than what you think it is. Because mm-hmm. we know going into this movie, part of it is going to be Leonard Bernstein, a gay man who was married to a woman for a very long time. And what was the nature of their relationship? Was there real love there? You know? But a lot of these movies, if this movie's 20 years before, maybe it kind of tries to kind of, you know. Yes. Nod to that, but not care about it too much. Like, you know, there's a lot of ways to do this story. But also, once again, there's a modern version of this movie that shows him, like, kissing a boy for the first time at summer camp. And it's like, I don't know. I'm conflicted about it. The fact that this is opening. like, shut up, laundry only. Right. The pet laundry only. Uh, I like, I just keep the, <laughs> the super stereotypical thing where it's like, wait, they weren't even in laundry. It's like, no, he's Jewish. They were, they all did laundry. That's what they did back then. I just think, like, you're opening on him getting the call. Yes. The movie basically starts on the day his career really takes off. Right. We have not watched him fall in love with music as a young no, man. No, but you're also in love just with showing, men as a young musician. Right. Here is a guy who is comfortably having relationships with other men to right. some degree. To some degree. This is part of his life from the moment we're introduced to him. And then, yes, you have this amazing transition where he basically runs out of bed straight into 
Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, practice, practice, practice. That's the thing. And my my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke, I want to move next to Carnegie Hall so that when you ask how to get to my house, I just say practice, 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 then turn left. <laughs> Good joke. Yes. Um, so, and then, and then it's then... Wait, you, can I just ask a question, like a detail question, which I don't know if I you know the answer. the answer. Uh, did he live in I one have of the no studios idea. I above tried to look Carnegie, it up. Carnegie I Hall? Because no I thought that's what they looked like with those windows. I believe that's the idea. Yes. I oh, just don't, I just don't okay. know if he did read the thousand-page Leonard Bernstein autobiography. Yeah, biography. I'm sure it's in there. Sure. But that's the impression I got, especially because okay. he was an assistant conductor. That's right? interesting. Like, I didn't take it literally. That's the thing. There are scenes here in right. this movie where people walk from one place to another. Right. With like no transition. It's the whole magically. motors thing. Right. Yes. Which I love. I love. Um, but this I did kind of almost take as like he may have literally live lived. Uh, yeah. Right. And uh, then it's like him that night going like, look, I haven't done any rehearsal. Like, oh, da, da, da. you know, like the sort of walking and talking. And then he gets right on stage. The camera, you know, the camera's going crazy for all of this, basically. Yeah. And then they basically cut to the end of night radio broadcast sign off. Young Leonard Bernstein, defying his father's laundry wishes, has right. conducted <laughs> the New York <laughs> And people are like Arsenio Wolf whistling, <laughs> like he's 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 done. He's made. It's one of these like right, right. right. In in a single night, he became a star. Um, a yeah. star is born. You a star can say. is born. All because Bruno Walter got you know whatever diarrhea. It was like someone got happens. sick and someone got snowed in. Like he was yes, the right. third he was the choice. The backup he was a baby. wasn't available. Yeah. The main guy got sick. Yeah. yeah. Um. He his first boyfriend, who mm -hmm. I believe is whose butt is being played. Uh huh. I think it's Matt Bomer. I believe that's Matt yeah, Bomer's butt at the beginning. Uh, was impeccable tush. Um. Right. Was uh the hottest clarinetist around. David Oppenheim, a real guy. I kind of think Matt Bomer remains the most handsome actor alive. Well, Matt Bomer looks like a children's drawing of a handsome actor. Yeah. And I'm yes. not saying he, that negatively. He looks like an 80s Ken doll. Right. Yes. Right. He just, like his eyes, just his chin. Yeah. I saw him once in a fucking audition waiting room. I think I've said this before. Were you it, auditioning for the same part no. as Matt Bomer? Same, yeah. <laughs> you were going up for white collar? Think of, but it like, it made me angry to see him. Yeah, he's very he was good like, looking. Uh, is the seat open? And I was like, don't be nice. <laughs> Fuck you, Bomer. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need but to But he's think one of the like only asshole. out gay yes. actors in Hollywood who can play like kind of like a romantic lead or an action star Look, or whatever. He was twice up for Superman. And in both times, it is largely reported that he didn't get it because he was out. Uh, and was out early. I, 100%, I think that's 100% true. And yeah. he's had a good career, but I do often feel like... Right, he gets roles like this where it's like, yes, you know, you should, you should, oh, we're making a really important, like, gay film. Like, yes. you should be in this, you know, Matt. Do you remember that it was announced some years ago that Ira Sachs was going to make a Montgomery Cliff movie with him? Fuck. I mean, that's just, that's I a layup. I want that so badly Man, they, still. Should, they can still do it. They can do still it. do it. Come on, Ira. But that, that what, feels lazy? like fucking money in the bank. Ira's not lazy. Don't say that. I'm going to charge him next time I see him be like, you lazy motherfucker. <laughs> Make your Monty Cliff movie. And he'll be like, the, the Cliff Estate is suing me. And I'm like, that's no excuse. Uh, I have no idea why. Bummer's so good, though. Yeah, he's really good. He, it's a small role. Like I said, almost everyone in this movie is a small role. Yeah. But he he's going to be like the first guy to kind of get rejected by Lenny. As he's, Lenny has to sort of ascend the ladder. He's got a couple heartbreaking scenes where right. he has to convey a tremendous amount in, in very small moments. That's a great job. So uh, pretty quickly, he meets Felicia Montenegro. Yes. Uh, Mon Montalegre. Not Felicia Montenegro. Felicia Montenegro. Cone. So, uh, right. He's at a party. Yes. And uh, he's fucking he's, putting on a show. 
He's got a great, it does a, has a great introduction where Hammond we see, it up is on it the piano. Adolph and Betty are yes. singing their show tunes. Yes. And um, she's, you know, uh, Carrie Mulligan gets introduced to his them sister by is Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Who introduces him. Yeah. And he goes, and what about the piano player? Yeah. And then he, he waves. There's like a picture of, um, I guess it was the Hollywood Reporter, maybe director's round table mm-hmm. where there was like a joke that was like it looks like Bradley Cooper like is photoshopped in because sure. of his posture where he's just like peeking out from mm. the back maybe make that a meme maybe make little Lenny <laughs> peeking out from behind <laughs> other like, people the same <laughs> thing. a photoshop challenge um, but then you have like a, a really uh, hot flirtation outside the window where they're on a smoke break right where uh, they're yeah. repeating to each other. They're testing each other I, about the small talk. Theory. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, right, no, right. first it's like, le- I, you have to recite back to me what I told you about myself. Right. Right? Yeah. Which right. is like uh, a fun way of getting that um, information backstory out for the audience while also showing a dynamic to rather me, than just hearing them go, and where did you grow up? This movie does... A great job shortcutting the yes. boring mm-hmm. biopic material. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. yet yes. I know a lot of people who saw it and were like, I just thought it was like real Oscar bait boring biopic stuff. What and the I fuck don't are you talking about? Well, it's my opinion. No, I just I don't know. I don't really this movie does not work for some people, and I don't really get it either. I I've, am fine you know, I've with been it incredulous. not for people, but saying this is boring Oscar bait the usual is just wrong. That is empirically wrong. What did like Cameron Jackson think of this movie? I don't want to know. Yes, you do. No, I don't. You do. You've no, been thinking about it I all haven't. day and night. I haven't. I think he said it was pretentious. He, he's big into saying things are pretentious this year. Not extraordinary. He just that word. He said, <laughs> Cooper and Mulligan are fine, though Leonard and Felicia are portrayed as egomaniacs. <laughs> well, okay. Sweeping uh, theatrical act one, followed by constant dreariness and chatty chats about feelings with jarring scenes of loud music. Uh, Sorry that Maestro had jarringly loud music lights. He's complaining about Maestro as if it's Ozfest. (laughs) Leonard Bernstein playing his... His rebellious movie, a top volume for the kids. Final thing he says is a little bit of Tanglewood. He's not even offering that as a note, as a positive or a negative, but maybe was he just like, not enough Tanglewood. I think he likes Tanglewood. He's like in the back. He's like, more Tanglewood. Uh, he grew up near Tanglewood. But then they right? cut to the two of them lying on the floor of the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, mid-coital break is basically... He's um, apologizing for his back, his bad back. Yes, there's up. this shot of like their legs perched together on the bed. Yes. Like a little steeple. But they're lying the on the floor next to it. And then they're in here on my back. He's yeah. so sorry. And Marie turns to me and goes, do you make this excuse all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, have a bad back. You you always seem to have ailments. I, I do. Just, I'm wondering, you know, are you like, oh, I can't, can't move, darling. I'm stuck here. I also, yes, I affect that voice in the bedroom. Oh, darling, I can't. Yeah. They're but, in, yeah. what? So... I, I read it a little bit as, oh, he's like making a, an excuse for why he cannot maintain. Sure, sure. Right? I'm not discrediting his back injury as a fellow, a man who suffers from a bad back. Wait, I thought he wasn't um, not having sex with her. I thought it was they had had sex and this is 
he hurt himself, and so they're laying on the bed on the floor. Griffin's saying maybe he couldn't, you know, last that long. I, I don't. We, I, that's innuendo. Obviously, where you know you can read into that. You can if read you want. into it. Right. I'm just I'm throwing out my read of the scene, which was they were having sex, and he could not maintain. Okay. Well. And that he was using the old back injury. Yeah, but this so, is sound off in the comments. He was, you know, he comments. was trying to stuff it in soft, is what we're saying. You know, he's putting the sleeping bag back in the case. Well, it was but, a wet spaghetti kind of situation. This is it. This is a question. Those are old Harris Whittles jokes, just like, to shout them out. An o- an o- an overarching question about this is why Maestro. I'm bringing this up. And At what point does she know? Well, I'm assuming she knows very early on, but. I'm asking, is he a gay man married to a woman or is he bisexual? This is why I'm bringing all of this up now, because I think, yes, I'm watching most of the reporting on him has his friends have been like, no, he was he was a gay man. He was like fundamentally that's that was the situation. And and he did love her. Yeah. But but it was also like he probably of his own volition never would have married a move a woman if there were not cultural pressures on him, despite having real feeling for her and and such. Um, But I'm watching this film, once again, still being trained by the kinds of conventional Oscar bait biopics that people are wrongly uh, accusing this movie of being, where I'm like, okay, I'm watching the flirtation period. When is the scene where she catches him with another man? When is the scene where he comes out to her? Does it happen after they get married? Does it happen before they get married? That's part of the arrangement. Like, when does it happen? And it's one of, I think, the most interesting narrative choices of this film is there's a scene that comes about an hour later where she catches him in the hallway kissing Gideon Glick. Yes. And she's like, not again. Right. And you're like, oh, this whole time. Yeah. There's the scene before then where she's like, I know, please do carry for me. Well, I have to like build up to yes. it. Sorry, right. yes. take a lap no, around the room, then you carry. The, the, no, there's the there are a couple <laughs> there are a couple like hints. Yes, there's the uh, when she tells um, I forget Sarah Silverman's character's name. Uh, Sarah Silverman's character's name, of course, we all know is Shirley Bernstein. Sarah Shirley. Silverman is trying to set her up with her well, she, other. Fans. She tells Shirley that yes. she's going to Tanglewood and. Shirley's like, oh, I, I my brother never told me that. She went, you're going to watch my brother perform? Right. And she's like, no, he invited me. Right. And then you see Sarah Silverman kind of have the response of she's like. She's like, look, my brother likes to tangle wood, but <laughs> not with you. She doesn't say that. Well, but, but yes, then she also s- tries to set him up with, with uh, Dick, Dick Hart. Yes. Uh, no, Silverman's trying to set then, her up with someone else, then is surprised to hear that she's been spending time with Lenny. She, Carrie seems kind of hurt that Lenny wouldn't mention to his sister. And there's right. something in Sarah Silverman's face of like, do I warn this poor girl? Right. And then there's the scene where they go into the theater where she's doing the play. Yes. And they have their flirtation with the scene. Right. But she also sort of says And then the kindly like, old man comes in. I like the kindly old man. Just shut the door on your way out. But she, a couple times in the movie, says things like, I know exactly who you are. Right. Yes, there's well, a scene where they're they, walking. They right. also have the uh, the imagined version of the On the Town well, pas de deux. This is the scene where Marie turns to me and just goes, I mean, give him the Oscar. I just said maestro. I just turned yeah. to whoever I was sitting next to and I said maestro. Marie, just give him the Oscar. Give him the Oscar right now. <sighs> they won't. They won't. They won't do it because they're jealous. They are. They're jealous. That's my take. They're jealous. It's exactly... What Lenny says when he's talking to his daughter. What does he say? When she's like, hey, listen, Dad, Larry, are you dad's gay? A great he's actor. like, no, they're all jealous of me. Right. Which they were. 
And he's like, your dad is category fraud. What he did with training day is unacceptable. He complains to Maya Hawk about her father's Oscar history. <laughs> um, they had equal screen time. Obviously, Denzel was going to run and lead. But <laughs> the movie opens and closes with him. I mean, he's the protagonist in the traditional dramatic sense. David. Yes. It's the season for giving. Yep. And I've, I've said, a thing I've said and thought is, tis better to give than to receive. Sure, fine. But if you're going to give, why not give more? I, great question. I don't know. You tell me. Well, you can. Okay. With How? Bombas. <gasps> we love them. I'll tell you what I mean by more. Yep. More comfort because mm. their socks, underwear, t-shirts, and slippers are made with such absurdly uh, soft materials. You want to keep a few for yourself. Of course. I mean more in that sense. Mm -hmm. The product has extended value, right? Mm -hmm. But more good as well. Because for every item you purchase, they donate another to someone who needs it. Which is great, especially is great. in this time of year. A lot of people in need. Yeah. Um, Socks, underwear, t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items in yep. homeless shelters. And when you buy yours from Bombas, you're also donating essential items to those who need them. One purchased equals one donated. As you said, in these tough winter months, exactly. it goes a long way. It does. And that's why I think Bombas is good. Mm -hmm. uh, I also... Uh, like their ready-to-go gift boxes, which are filled with high-quality basics your loved ones will enjoy all year long. It's a very solid Christmas present because you don't even need to wrap it. comes in a nice box. It, the packaging is nice. Now, J.J. Birch, our researcher, texted us recently, red alert, red alert, all caps. Do you remember this? Of course. I bought them. New Bombas just dropped. Forky socks. Yes. It comes in a pack of four. It's Forky, Mike Wazowski. It's a Forky The and dog Woody. from Up. Carl and Doug, Mike and Sully, and the fourth one I'm forgetting is Wally and Eve. That's right. Um, my daughter has worn all of those. Well, okay. I'm making my way through the set. You don't have to... Don't Your daughter doesn't need to big dog me in her sock project. Well, she doesn't like wearing socks, so I always have to put them on while she's watching TV. Does she like it when Forky is on them? She likes it more. Okay. It's definitely a, it's definitely a bonus, yes. Now, here's the thing I want to say. I've been watching Shark Tank this season. And I often throw in, and they don't put it in their own copy, that Bombas is the most successful company in the history of Shark Tank. But I haven't checked those numbers in a while. I just was coasting off of them previously saying that. And this season, they've done an arc where they've been counting down the most successful companies in Shark Tank history with the updated numbers. Every episode, adding two companies. And I'm watching these, and I'm gripping my armrest, and I'm going, are they going to reveal that Bombas has slipped down to two to three? My friends, I'm happy to tell you that Bombas is still the number one most successful company in the history of Shark Tank. Well. That's great. Go to bombas.com slash check and use code check for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash check and use code check at checkout. Bombas.com slash check, go check. Number one most successful company in the history of Shark Tank. Yeah, I think the scene where they're walking and she says, I know exactly who you, you know, yeah. like, but beyond all of this. The movie is, un, you know... But you're not hearing the the overt conversation of the arrangement that you later find out in the movie. There's very much a clear, like, I don't just want you don't to be sloppy. Me. Don't embarrass me. Exactly. Don't, don't do this in front of me. And that this has been set yeah. up for a while this way. But Cooper's pitch on this movie is fundamentally like, I want to foreground their connection. Yes. As friends, sort of as artistic partners... Uh -huh. Sort of his lovers, or you know, you know, however, like their romantic relationship yeah. functioned, and you know, you know, chart what a toll the marriage took on her, yes. like you know, in terms of being married to this genius one uh -huh. who's already a celebrity and is like sort of lost in you know, yeah, 
all of that. And she's an artist and performer in her own right, right. and she basically has to give up. Has to give up her career, have a bunch of kids, you know. But like also be later like in the, movie, the like first she, lady of classical music. Like, right, people you know. like the idea that she's a singer and actress as sort of like a footnote onto like, look at this household they have. 100%. And like... But it doesn't leave her time to actually express herself. And then like explore like once they were basically separated, like what that looked like and once she had once she had died, like how much he missed her and how much like... Well, look. The, sort of like there was a gaping hole in his life it, that he wouldn't have even maybe known would be there. It, right? it was, it's the great Mulaney bit that is very interesting in conjunction with this movie. I do think about this bit a lot. Where I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's something like his father said to him, you know, Leonard Bernstein... Sometimes he was gay and sometimes he was married to a woman. And a lot of his best music was made when he was married to the woman. And Mulaney's like, what the fuck was my father trying to impart to me? And also what a weird way to describe the setup. But it is kind of what the arc of this movie is about, where you're like, he was a gay man. He was married to a woman. To, to be clear, Mulaney also frames that, that that was his dad's sex talk. He yes, was like, right, when he turned right, 12, he was like, you know, he was one of the great composers of the 20th century, but sometimes he'd be gay. But uh, according to a biography, right, when he was holding that back, he kind of would do his best work. Right. And holding that back is the whole thing, right? Like... I, I think what's interesting about this movie and this dynamic is like once he when he has this sort of breakdown of like, I can't fight this anymore. I need to live my truth. I need to be myself. Right. I got to get clicked. He does kind of fall apart. There is something about their relationship together that is not solely of convenience or appearances, right. you know? Because now the movie doesn't make any of this. clear. This is the thing I think that does frustrate some people in this movie. It doesn't make any of this clear. In terms of like, when did he do what, when? And like, when was he most successful? When was he composing? Sure. When was he... Instead, we have like, you know, him ruminating to Josh Hamilton, like, you know, for a big fucking big shot like me, I actually haven't produced enough. Like there's yeah. stuff like that. But like Leonard Bernstein's most like fertile creative period is definitely the 50s and 60s. Yeah, which they which is when they are pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. And then yes, in the seventies, he does like mass that you guys were referencing and and Dubik and stuff like that. But like he's more becoming the grand old man of classical music at that point, and that's what you're talking about—the kind of like when he's sort of separated from you know, like and from Felicia, right? And he seems to be like spiraling out of control sort of and you know like right like isn't producing as much maybe and well so there's the scene when when he brings her to tanglewood and he introduces her to matt bomer right yeah where matt bomer plays this moment beautifully right. this of is like right. here's lenny bernstein introducing his girlfriend to his boyfriend right right and matt bomer is just sort of like why kind the of with the i'm gonna marry her FYI. yes right you know like this is it Right. And and the way I read the scene, it feels like he and Matt Bomer are still semi-recently, still presently involved to some degree. Right. Like, he's reacting to this like a ton of bricks of like, what the fuck are you saying to me? What is this statement you're making publicly now in front of me? And then one of the next times you see Matt Bomer, it's he's married. He has a kid. And Lenny is joking to the baby, I slept with both of your parents. Right. Which, which is a great, a big great line. Parents, but they have this walk where it's almost like Lenny has hurt him and then gone to him and said, by the way, I recommend you do the same thing I do. Because we have this lunch scene at Tanglewood where they start to have this conversation around, like, you could be the first great American conductor, but you have to make my, life this choices. This is my favorite scene in the movie. That support this. And then they ask him about what was the job he lost 
I can't remember, but Rochester it's, or something. Right. right. It's like he, he, but like it's this scene that is straight out of any biopic where the guy is like, "Listen, Lenny, you got to change your name. It's too Jewish. Like right. you could, you're you're gonna blow your shot at being the number one." And basically, like Carrie Mulligan just leans over to him and is like, "Can we get out of here? Like this yeah. sucks." But also, what are they talking about? Like it's a scene where they never put the the finger on the thing. But that's why I'm I, I, I'm just like to me that because what happens in that scene is yes. She's like, let's get out of here. And he's like, yeah, let's get out of here. Yeah. And they run out of the scene and they magically are transported straight to the car- to the stage. To On the Town. And that's when On the Town happens. Yeah. And it's literally like Bradley Cooper to me saying to the audience, like, I don't fucking care about that shit. No. Go read a biography. If you want to learn the, you know, ins and outs of this guy's life, like laid out, you know, in a timeline. I don't care. We're, we're exiting this Agreed. boring biopic scene and we're entering a dream ballet of one of his great works. But also, and that's how you're going to experience Leonard Bernstein. When suddenly, I am maestro. When suddenly Bradley as Lenny is in the little sailor outfit doing the dance himself, it feels like, well, yes, I mean, I'm fan yourself myself. off, hot under the collar. But it also feels like an expression of like the unspoken thing at this lunch conversation is the kind of spirit that he can only put forth in his work, Right. It's like she's watching a dream ballet performance of the show he's working on, and suddenly he's part of the show. Something he never would have done in real no, life. No, it doesn't. But it's like... Magic. Right, and it, it's because of that pressure. Like, that scene feels like a scene with the Kennedy family strategizing, which of our children are we going to push for president next, right? right? It's these chessboard scenes of everyone saying to him, like, you don't understand. You have a responsibility. It's not just that you have the potential to be wildly successful, but like almost there is a pressure on you to be the great communicator of classical music for a new generation. You are the packaging through which this can continue to stay vibrant and exciting for people. You know how to work television as a medium. You have the right look. You have the right, right charisma. So wear that responsibility on your shoulders, and thus you need to understand in an unspoken way that there are things you should not do in your life because they would jeopardize what you could do for all of us. And then the next thing you see is him just like funneling all his emotions into this version of himself on stage yes. dancing to his own music. A hot-ass sailor. Yes. What do you think? You said give him the Oscar, apparently. I uh, I was very taken with the pacing of everything in the film up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that sequence, which I brought up earlier, does show the fact that she knows about his homosexuality. Yes, 100%. Um, But I think uh, the question that I think is interesting in the movie is, I think she knows. The question is how much has outwardly been discussed between the two of them. I think everything has been discussed. At what point? I don't think it matters. I agree, but it's what I like about the movie. I like watching it and not knowing in certain scenes. Yeah. I what mean, is the nature of their transparency? But it, the, it, I, at this correct moment. me if I'm wrong here, but I think the woman that Matt Bomer marries is the same woman that's at that original party sitting yes. next to Bradley Cooper on the piano. Yes. And uh, we see another scene where... Uh, where Bradley and Carrie are dancing intimately at a party and there are two men next to them dancing together and then right. they it's... switch and then they start dancing with women. And I just think that entire scene was very liberal, very accepting. There were, you know, you right. knew you, there, you, you could had... You be out with him. Correct. Yes. yes. And there were uh, choices that you had to make right. in order to, you know, maintain status within 
or to ascend. I mean, the whole thing is—it's he has this shot. It's like, yeah, you're not just going to maintain. You're going to like be this breakthrough American conductor, like, and and like you will change the course of music in our culture. American understanding of classical music, and again, that's only somewhat interesting to this movie. Like, this movie's mostly interested in Lenny and. uh, Felicia. Felicia, like, yes. but can I like? Throw- it's not so much like. There's no montage of like, and then he had his TV show, and like Americans learned about classical music thanks to Leonard Bernstein, and then he did West Side. You know, like none of that happened. Can I throw out like a, a a counterpoint that I weirdly thought about while watching this movie, and I'll I'll circle this so it makes sense. What if sense we in said no? I'm thinking I bet, about I it. I'm thinking <laughs> about it. When when the slap happens at the Oscars. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Follow me here. Follow me here. Follow me. We don't like it. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And and a lot of people were like, "How does this happen? How does the guy lose it on the biggest night of his life, the biggest stage possible?" Right? There is a story Will Smith tells of when he was doing like Parents Just Don't Understand and was like a well liked pop star that Quincy Jones called him in for a meeting and was like, "I'm going to produce a sitcom for you to star in." And Will Smith was like, I'm not an actor. And Quincy Jones was like, you don't understand. You have the thing. Sure. You have the charisma. You could be in a really he important... Said, you're rizzed up. You're rizzed, you're rizzed God. No, but basically said to him, like, you have the potential to be a, a popular artist who could really transform the notion of African-Americans in this country. And you have a societal obligation to do this. And then, like, develops Fresh Prince and hands him the show. Right? Sure. And you think about the Oscar moment is like 30 years later of this guy who had all of this pressure on him. It's not like the pressure is only just from that first moment, but like everything he's doing in his career up until that moment is I have some sort of cultural responsibility to like prove myself, to stretch myself, right? You know, Griffin, up until you brought this up, I was not thinking of the many similarities between Leonard Bernstein and Will Smith. Thank you. But uh, they're there. They're there. They're there. And I think there's a similar thing where you're just like, this guy is is torn between <laughs> what he wants to do and what he does enjoy doing, but also what he feels like he could do. Well, beyond that, like after everything we've just talked about, there's the scene where now he's, it's the 50s. He has a lovely apartment. Yes. He's being interviewed on television with his wife right. about like, Leonard Bernstein, what a success you are. Tell us all about it. Oh, I love it when she's, and he's working on a new thing with Steve Sondheim. Right. Steve Sondheim. This little young brat young named Steve Sondheim. This but adaptation she's, of Romeo and Juliet. They're also in the interview still asking her about like her acting career. 100%. And she's sort of making the joke of like, well, I barely have time to act right. with the children around the You're, house. Like she's still thought of as an actor you're getting the sense that right her career is it's starting, starting to slip, to slip away. away but I, and he talks about the difference between like being a celebrity and a public yes. figure and being a creator which is this like intensely private thing right where he, he's like channeling his deepest feeling into art in this will smith way he's in a position where he is i like it you need to find stop he's forced to represent an idea in addition to being a creative artist who wants to express his own things Leonard I say Bernstein, this about Lenny Bernstein. I'm going to say it, and I, I know some people might criticize me for this. Yeah. I think he was a more talented creative artist than Will Smith. I don't think I anyone is. I don't think. No, I think people are going to really come at me about I that. I need to kick I, it around. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, like, I think his mass 
might be better than getting jiggy. But doesn't I'll just say it. Don't but don't people not like Mass? Mass was like controversial at the time. I think now it's 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 pretty well regarded. Yeah, but what, but I mean, the welcome thing, to Miami. Well, yeah. I actually I have something I wanted to share regarding Mass, if I may. Okay. Yes, Ben. So uh, I've mentioned him on the podcast before, but my uncle mm-hmm. was an active sure. musician and composer in the late seventies and early eighties. Oh, this is not uh, the relative who was one miracle away from sainthood. No, that's that guy's been dead for that right, guy is a more long, like a grand, grand. That's the yeah, other. Is this side. the uncle yeah. who gave us the bag of DVDs? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Kenneth Hosley. He uh, performed not in the the original. Um, Kennedy uh, premiere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cuz it opened the Kennedy right. Center. He did the European yes. premiere. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Ben, oh. that's so cool. Yeah, so what what this, did he play? This was in 1973. So he was a percussionist. Hell yeah. It was actually the Yale Symphony Orchestra. Uh he was not a student. He was just hired by the conductor. Right. Uh, John Marseri, I want to say. Sure. Um but yeah, so he was brought over to Vienna to perform, and uh, he just shared some sort of insight into Bernstein. Please share. Uh, So, one night after several performances, um, that Bernstein was in the audience. And so my uncle was a very serious musician. And I would say that Bernstein's work was not really his taste. He was more into like... uh, Thrash metal. Yeah, exactly. No, he was more into 12-tone music, which is just, like, very, very intense. Oh, so, like, Bernstein to him is, you know, ah, that's main, middle of the road. That's yes. mainstream. Even yes. though I think mass is a, kind of a challenging work, but yes. It's challenging in the sense that it's cl- a clash of all of these different styles of music. Right. But anyway, he said this about the piece. It's the stupidest piece you could ever imagine. About mass. <laughs> Correct. Right, right. He's laying, he's reading it for filth, you're saying. Um, he said that night Bernstein was in the audience holding his handkerchief ready to be moved and indeed towards the end was moved to tears by his own music by his own music could you imagine but that like when you see him conduct that is what he's like yeah he's this like hyper emotional conductor but also that's like the one him hugging himself and yeah that's the one place he gets to sort of actually express things Right. right, openly, without, non-strategically. And any other burns? Well, so, yeah, I do have some more burns oh, okay, okay, on Bernstein. Burns. But okay. uh, Ken was a percussionist, like I said. He did, though, have a featured part playing vibes in one of the movements. Uh, unfortunately, I've been trying to track down I, the I'm performance. I'm sorry, I cannot he believe your, your uncle was a professional vibist. He was. He was I, I don't know if I would classify him as a professional vibist, yeah, he, but he you know, he, he, he definitely knows his way around vibes. Would yes. you say that the vibes were immaculate? Absolutely, absolutely. When Ben's uncle is involved, the vibes were immaculate. Yeah. Uh, at some point, he had met Bernstein and said he had a pot belly and a big old head. Hey, <laughs> and he was a shrimp. So he was quite surprised to see that the six-foot-tall actor was portraying him. Right. That Bernstein was truly, like, just a little shorty. Right. Yeah, he was like... Big belly, he, big head shrimp. He was, he was like, a little, right, Lord of the Rings gnome. He was, like, 5'7", and, like, later in life, right? He's, he was, like, a Rankin-Bass Bilbo. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. But anyway, there is footage of this concert 
Yeah, it's uh, out right. there somewhere. It's BBC John Mossiri. You said that right? Yeah, that's the I said conductor. it wrong, but Mossiri. Right, yeah. I don't okay. know how you say it. But yeah, I I think it's like uh, not been public, like widely released, mm. and it like the it footage was filmed, right? Yeah. Is only included in some Bernstein documentary that PBS did. Oh, which is available on YouTube because I've watched it. Nice. Uh, but I, I'm really, I'm going to try and track that down just because I think it would be a nice gift for Ken to relive uh, this music that he had a big problem with. That is, oh, a, yeah. that is very cool. Vibes. Um, so uh, I was not, based on the trailer of mm-hmm. the film. Sure. I was not expecting the movie to be, um, like, I, I was expecting it to be in thirds. Yes. It is more, I don't know if the switch from black and white to color is exactly halfway through the film, but it feels it felt earlier way. than I expected it. It's to be. earlier, I would say, but obviously they're in black and white, essentially sort of up to the 50s or whatever, right? right? After that, we're in color. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's aspect ratio changes and all that. Um, uh, we should say, uh, um, Maddie Libatique. Just fucking. I mean, boy. on all what, cylinders. What, what's the term you use? Raining threes. Is that how sports threes. people talk? Absolutely. Raining well, threes. Well done, my friend. Thank you. From half court. Is uh, that right? That's another one. Yeah, on absolutely. The one yard line. Matty Libatique. Obviously, he's Aronofsky's guy. Uh-huh. So, uh, or yeah, I mean, I mean, he did pine work. He most, but he shot Stars Born. He did. I was just famously, saying, like, there was Big Maddie Weekend where Starsborn and Venom. Venom both released yes. on the same yeah. day. Since then, it's like he did Birds of Prey, The Prom, Don't Worry, Darling, and The Whale. Like, it's not like these are tiny movies. And honestly, most of those movies look pretty good. I can't speak to The Prom. Didn't see that I, one. I didn't either. He also, also but I was kind of like, I Don't Worry, Maddie. Darling looked good. It did. It looked, the like, Whale, it was, I would say, well, again, he's Darren's guy, so he's going to do the yeah. way. He I mean, also like, has how many, how many... legal trouble in that amount of time you're talking about. Maddie Libacy? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. drinking issues or he something. He got drunk at a film festival. and uh, He, like, punched a paramedic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like... He was released without a fine or charge. But I know there was an article a year or two ago about him. He said someone, like, you know, gave him a Lucy, essentially. Here. I think it's been a protracted legal battle. Mm. To maintain his innocence. There is a, a New York Times, right? He punched a paramedic, it seems. Yes. Um, but you know what? He did a great job on Maestro. <laughs> he did. Charges so dropped. beautiful. Yep. <laughs> there are no crimes in art. Uh, it's, a, it's a gorgeous thing. If you'll movie. let me be frank. Um, I mean, because like yeah. the whale, it's like you're shooting a fucking apartment. Well, I mean, right. how much are you going to do? Well, just stinks. <laughs> what? That, that guy smelled great. That, that guy definitely smelled great. People could be thrilled. I'm just shitting on whale and salt burn and refusing to unpack anything. Uh, back to Maestro. Yes. Uh, there's some very interesting framing that uh, happens throughout the movie. I mm. especially noticed it during uh, the sequence that's like a party at uh, their apartment mm-hmm. when we first cut to what I'm assuming is the early 70s. Yeah. Um, the Gideon Glick in the hallway. Suddenly, there's a lot of brown and green. You know, right. um, they got a pretty nice apartment. I would say. I mean, yeah. You don't think Lenny deserves a nice apartment on the park? I just really, you know, that probably costs like two thousand dollars. You're jealous? Back in the day. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. right back. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll only li- let you have it for three nickels. All right, right? I'm not going below that. It's a full floor of like didn't burnished they live wood in overlooking the Dakota? Central Park. Oh, it looks like the Dakota. Because they they're Dakota. watching the Thanksgiving yeah. yes. parade. I think they lived in the Dakota. But like the th- Dakota. that party, there, there's, uh, there's a ton of obstructions. There are no like clear shots right. 
of it's, any it's like we're sneaking the into the party Which, kind of. especially after the first section of the movie where you're a lot closer he to lived them. on the second floor of the dakota wow um no you're right marie from this section on there is often something in the way between the frame and the characters yeah he's creating distance and he's creating obstructions and even there's the scene that we're jumping ahead, but where at the um, their, their home in the Hamptons, the Hamptons home, mm-hmm. where she's kind of lightly scolding him for bringing Gideon Glick, and he's like, "Well, a daughter likes him. I thought she'd want him here." And she's like, "That's not why you brought him. Please admit why you brought him." And the whole thing is happening from the other side of the fence outside yes. their pool. Yeah, and it's like the most open conversation you hear them. Right. have up until that point in the movie. And like what she keeps kind of hitting is that the, again, don't embarrass me. Don't right. like pretend it's this when it's that. She's not even framing it as the, the like, you have a career to think about. Don't jeopardize it. It's more like, I am in this. I have right. been in this exactly. for decades now. Don't treat me like I don't exist. And if right. you're sloppy, it makes my life look like a lie. There's right. like a, 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 a retroactive invalidation of what they've been putting and forward. Obviously, I mean, this is less touched on the movie, but he was an alcoholic. He struggled with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. You see him, you know, at points, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like drinking too much or using, you know, like it's all in this mix. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have the scene where he tells his daughter, played by Maya Hawk, the je- mm-hmm. they, they're jealous. Yeah, like, that's what it I is. mean. That I looked. He's at, wearing I, the Harvard sweatshirt where Harvard is written in Hebrew. Oh, I was wondering must what, cop <laughs> what that said in Hebrew. Uh, it says Harvard. Uh, he went to Harvard. I uh, it's a school in Cambridge. Uh, he went. He went to Harvard before went to Curtis, Harvard. I went, uh, the then. Institute in Philadelphia. Um, I uh, as I have mentioned on this podcast before, uh, I have a similar uh, family situation to the mm-hmm. Bernstein family. My father is gay, uh, and he uh, he and my mother are divorced, um, but they uh, are still very close. Um, but. That scene where he has that conversation with Maya, where she asks him point blank, right. "Are the rumors about you being gay true?" Maya, Maya really good in this movie, and really he good. says no, and she goes, "Oh, that's a relief." I literally had that conversation with my dad. It it is it is an incredibly rough scene because he is like overselling this explanation, right. yeah. and you're watching it, and you're like, "He doth protest too much." There's no way she's going to believe this, right? Like he's over, he's putting too much paprika on the sandwich, right? And then she like buys it, and you see him have the relief of like, "Okay, I that, got another that, five that crisis years diffused," right? right. And then yeah. when she says, "Honestly, that's such a relief." you see him crumble. Yeah. Where it's like, I want her to think that I'm not gay, but also the second she put any judgment on it makes me feel even more guilt and shame. Right. Um, you you said a thing, uh, uh, not to paraphrase you, Marie, but when we were talking after the movie about... She was like, this reminds me of Will Smith. <laughs> Not to paraphrase you. He and Jada have an agreement, right? Yeah. It's more of a partnership. In, in 2022, a slap happened on the <laughs> national stage. It's sad that Bernstein died before <laughs> the, the red sl- table was there for him to air he, things oh God, out. If they had been able to him take it to the red table. Him and Felicia could have yeah. taken it to the red table. Um, he Because he certainly had some entanglements. Um, Marie, you said uh, uh, a thing about how... Tanglewood. A thing this movie uh, captures very well that you had not seen many other stories capture is like the, the deep naughty conflict of uh, wanting someone to live. Do you know what I'm going to say? Yes. Here? I, so, I, I yes. want to let you put in your own. So uh, 
often when you have these sort of late in life coming out narratives where um, someone has been publicly closeted for a while and then they finally live their truth, right. it turns into a celebration of them finally reaching self-actualization. You did it. You did it. Yay. But what I personally experienced is like, yes, that is present, but there, there's a lot of collateral damage to the people in that person's orbit. Of course. And I th thought that um, the, the film was very sensitive, especially right. to Felicia. And Especially to the daughter, and right. you know, it's, to um, the, the daughter's name is Jamie. Jamie, Jamie Bernstein, Bernstein, the oldest daughter. Yes, um, like yeah. Given that they're involved in some form, uh, the the kids, mm -hmm. yeah, like they're seeing this movie and approving of it. They're saying like, yes. yeah, that's our dad. Yeah, they clearly, yeah, they clearly are. You know, they went through real turmoil with him about this and about everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it, look it's again. A, it's like it's not just. That he's gay. It's like the intensity of his public-private split, yes. his creative life, like the ways it took him away from them. Well, it's all that interview scene you're talking about, the difference between being a celebrity and an, and an artist, right. right? And these two things and him feeling the pressure that both need to exist and how do I not let one butt up against the it, other? I think it's beautifully threaded throughout the film. You also have in that conversation where he and Felicia meet each other for the first time where he says, you and I are so similar because we both hold many identities yes. and contradictions because she is, you know— Jewish, but she's also Latino, but she yes. is also white, and mm -hmm. uh, you know her. She was a Costa Rican Chilean actress, and you know her family had higher ambitions for her, but she wants to be an actor. And then his family, you know, a uh, big. I don't know if we've touched on his um, during your favorite scene of the movie, David, when they're talking about you know how he has to make a choice. Yeah, it would be Leonard Burns. She's like Felicia, right? Uh, Montalegra Burns. There, yes, that doesn't. I mean, there, there, there is that aspect of like Jewish assimilation. Yes, and they tried to make him. Yes, you know, right. and he, you know, it, it's. Uh, so it's a, a duality. I mean, the film fucking opens with a quote. Yes, that's like I forget what the exact quote is, but it's about holding two truths at the same time. That's what the whole movie is about. It's like and I said, the, the first movie. scene, him talking so openly and honestly, and then you cut to it's a, he's being filmed. I just yeah. think I just think Bradley Cooper is telling us for minute one, like this is what my movie is about, people. So and maybe it's about himself in some way. Like he's a celebrity, he's an artist. Like well, you know, like this is well. All, all, I've seen some complaints of like, well, he's putting himself in the movie too much. I'm like, I like that. That's what no, I, I think. Put yourself in your movie. Also, you know? fucking unbelievable performance. What are you talking? about? Or you're saying putting too much of his I mean, own? I'm like how Bradley feels about his relationship. But to that's Leonard what makes Bergson. him. That's, that's why it's good. That's what makes him a serious filmmaker. Is that he is he is expressing things that he maybe could not express in any other format. He has had serious substance abuse problems yes, in his life, true. and that's it feels true. like he was putting a lot of that in Star is Born. He is not making movies that are one-to-one -one autobiographical, but it does feel like he is expressing things that he feels very deeply outside of just his interests of classical music conductors and things like that. He is like a real artist working through like internal struggles and themes and thoughts and all of this sort of stuff. And it's like all the stuff we were talking at the beginning, the part of him that doesn't want to be in movies unless he's directing them, but also could not turn down Guillermo del Toro right. is the part of him that's like, he went from 
Like the surprising rise of, oh my God, suddenly Bradley Cooper is an A-list star after 10 plus years of him being a guy who was around. And when you get into that moment, it's like very high stakes, high pressure of like, okay, don't fuck this up. You currently are on the cusp of being an A-lister. Your next five or six moves maybe solidify whether you get to stay there or whether you were someone who had a moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And you do have to start to think about your career very strategically. And you have to think about your public persona very strategically. And even just like, how much am I playing the game of going on talk shows? When I'm on talk shows, what's the version of Bradley Cooper on talk shows? He chooses to make it mostly, I'm Philly bro, right? Which I'm not saying is an insincere part of him. I think it's a genuine, honest version of him. But like him talking a lot about the Eagles, going on Howard Stern and being like, I would rather lose every Oscar for Maestro if the Phillies won the, the Super Eagles. Bowl. I'm sorry. Please, Griffin. The I mean, he'd probably be happy team. if the Phillies won. Yeah, but the Eagles are who we are. Okay, like, I don't Marie, Marie should fucking put me on blast for that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it all becomes... What is what is the public persona version of Bradley Cooper that I need to maintain to support artist Bradley Cooper? Will they let me keep making movies like Maestro if I am, like, having the good anecdotes on talk shows? Right. Well, it also— If I have the good outfits when I'm caught out by paparazzi. And even, a, a, like, a more general way of looking at it. Yeah. He is a composer when he's directing. Yeah. And he is a, a sure. an actor slash— conductor but he's also like is is being a celebrity bradley cooper's art form i don't get the sense that he's a guy who no, loves I being he, famous he i think he kind dislike of it. hates it i think he views it as means to an end and there's a certain amount he needs to play the game in order to do what he wants to do and that's a lot of what this movie is about i also think getting back to the film itself right and what i find so interesting and kind of like unknowable about their relationship is as we said it does seem like he has slept with Matt Bomer's later wife, right? Mm -hmm. And the way he just sort of like immediately latches on to Felicia at this party and feels very attracted to her and recognizes something in her that they share. I think there is genuine chemistry and genuine there attraction. Is. Oh, yeah. But I also think he was like fundamentally a gay man as much as these things obviously exist on a spectrum, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm not here to, the societal yeah. pressures were so extreme at that point in time even ignoring the notion of him having a career in the public eye, that you have to imagine a guy like that to some degree is internalizing, well, my life would be a lot easier if I was interested in women. Okay. I should try this. You know, not that, like, I'm doing this as a, a cover, right? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like the movie doesn't really know. But I think this is what is interesting about it. And I think what is interesting about this movie, not even attempting to offer easy answers because these things are kind of unknowable. So uh, we need to talk about uh, her her illness. Well, mm -hmm. for, all right, first, she after he talks to Maya Hawk. Mm -hmm. Then there's like the big fight where she basically is like yelling at him, like you're gonna. Oh be my god, Snoopy! A lonely old. This all ha this all happens uh, with Who the backdrop. Snoopy in the back? He shows up late. Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. Hungover on Thanksgiving. He's to sloppy a party. on Thanksgiving. Yes. Who abandoned, abandoned Snoopy, Snoopy in the, in the vestibule? vestibule? That's when she says he has hate in his heart. Yes. And then yeah. he's gonna die a lonely old die queen. Lonely old yes. queen. After that, is, giant Snoopy balloon goes by. It's a great. It's whoever's idea this was, and yes. Lord, like I have no idea if this is. Some fact of the record, like they had a big falling out of Thanksgiving. Can I, it's can brilliant. I ask a question about both that and the maestro license plate slash usage of it's the end of the world as we know it. Uh-huh. Both of those moments are funny. Yes. 
they both come after probably the most dramatically intense sure. moments mm-hmm. the in the dark film. Period. Sure. Yeah. Is he? Is it good that he's adding yes. levity there? Yeah, in my opinion. I think it's also like weirdly dark, uncomfortable exactly. levity. It's not like he's going for easy laughs Same to like diffuse the tension. Blasting only the words Leonard Bernstein and it's the end of the world as we right. know it. Like, well, because right. I'm just wondering, is it too easy? I don't think so. Because I think, I think the REM license plate moment is also like, this guy has now come all the way around to being obsessed with the public persona Leonard Bernstein mm-hmm. that he's created. Like, yeah, he's, he's become something of a right. He's of a dining out icon. on what a meme he's become in a weird way, you know? Like, it says something about, like, how much he's enjoying the fact that he succeeded in seeding himself as a name, as an idea. But he's also telling Josh Hamilton, like, I haven't done enough. Yeah. He's also a little bit like, I've been too busy getting famous. I've been too busy being famous to actually maybe be as much of an artist. enough, right. And like, you know. It's it's hosting TV shows and events and all these things. The movie barely touches on, but obviously it was very important. You know, he really like brought classical music to the masses. He He understood TV as a a medium. Right. There are great clips Uh, of him talking about the Beatles. Right. Yeah. He he managed, and obviously he was also like politically very active. Yes. Something else the movie isn't too interested in. So was she. So was she. He obviously mentored a young Lydia Tarr. She is in the movie. She is in the movie. Lydia. She's one of the students in the audience at Tanglewood. This is a this is Tarr prequel. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, you know said to Griffin while we were there, I was like, that's Lydia Tarr. And he said, Oh yeah, that's her. But they had the the dinner with the Black Panther Party where uh, and Lydia Tarr. Right. And was it was it uh who was it? Was Tom Wolf the one who called them radical chic? Sure. Yes, that sounds right. I mean, right. He's like to me a classic kind of lefty New Yorker yes, celebrity, yes. you know, in the yeah. 20th century. Anti-war, anti-Vietnam, anti-nuclear war. The kind of guy Richard Nixon would like drink a quart of vodka. I mean, yeah, and be like, he, had, he had an FBI file. Nixon right. refused to go to the premiere of Mass at the Kennedy Center, even though he was president, because I just imagine Nixon just roaring at yes. a fireplace, being he, like yeah. Bernstein, yeah. fucking hater, Bernstein. hate him. But then you basically, from that big fight, he screams into the pillow, which I'd argue is one of the only... No, that's not from the fight. That's from... Oh, that's from the diagnosis. Yeah. Yes, that's right. later. I'm sorry. In between that, those two things is the, the scene at... Um, well, there's two things. There's he, the... There's the scene of him announcing, but you cut off before he gets to it, but where he walks out to his Oh, orchestra. when he's wearing his little dandy outfit with the stripes. Yes, and, the and he's sort of like, I, I must be in conversation with all parts of myself. He gives right. the speech that feels like he's coming out to his orchestra, but you don't hear. At least acknowledging mm-hmm. it more directly. But right. there's also, um, you know, uh, Felicia at lunch with her daughter and her sister. <sighs> she's, sister-in-law. She, sister-in-law. Well, she's you, you dr- see her filming the TV mm-hmm. show. Right, yeah. She, at this lunch, she's dressed like Judge Judy. I can't get over it. But her this, friends like, are both like rough. competing to take her out for dinner. Do we have you tonight? And she's just like, everyone in my life is kind of babying me because they feel so bad right. for me. Then she goes out to dinner with and the they're like, you have a lunch suda? with the two of them. You know, like, it's so, <sighs> yeah. it's so sad. Yes. Carrie, so what do you guys think of Carrie? She's so unbelievable. Talk about I think she way. is phenomenal. Yeah, she's unbelievable. Tough role. It's I, always a tough role, the wife in a biopic. I think she's... Uh, Obviously, he's given her first billing her, and trying there's to... There's a lot know. for her to do. I do not love her normally. <gasps> you said this was the most you've ever liked her. That is correct. Her normal voice bottles bothers me. I'm a big Carrie Mulligan. Um, Carrie. We all, she's, she's Sally Sparrow. She's Sally what Sparrow. What, what, what is that? Do you know who that is? Mm, I'm forgetting. It's a character she played in Doctor oh, Who. Oh, 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 
in yeah, Which was sort of her, you know, one That's of her early roles. That's a great fucking, roles. she's so good in Blink. Uh, uh, and she was supposed to be the next companion, but then she got too she famous got too to big. get that role. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't what you don't like her in N Education? No, I actually she got really N Education I, I in that film. Don't like that movie. No, I don't like the movie either, but she's uh, good. Inside Lewin Davis. I mean, I don't know. I, she just so has like she rocks Lewin inside Lewin Sometimes Davis. she has like Gatsby? Mopey vibes that I she cannot mopey, get. Yeah, she gets cast in a lot of mopey she's roles. She's so fucking mopey. She's got I a mopey think face. after Drive and Shame, which yeah. she's good in both of those. I hate shame, but continue. I hate shame. The emotion or the movie? Uh, I live without shame. <laughs> I live without shame. I don't shame. like that movie. I think I the movie's. Movie. I think that movie's okay. kind of stinky. It's a little stinky. Uh, but I think she's good in it. Um, Great Gatsby inside Lewin Davis, like Mudbound, like yeah, Wildlife, just... she which she rocks in. Like, but these are all yeah. like Mopes. sad. Well, that's a lot like of a typecast. I know. And she so... didn't quite have like Naomi Watts' career happen to her, but there was this moment in the mid-2010s where you're like, man, after an education, you would have figured like Carrie Mulligan's gonna be a huge star, and instead she's kind of stuck in like second gear. She I mean, she is such she has such sunshine in this role. Not yeah. to say that she is like, you know, just the a happy presence throughout the film because she's not. Sure. She has a very complex emotional arc, uh, but she you you fall in love with her. She's she just kind of uh, she's is, radiant. Yes, she's glowing throughout the film, and right. you have this scene where they're like sort of needling her, and she's like, "Oh, this is embarrassing." Right. You feel like she doesn't want to talk about someone who. A new boyfriend. I, right. And then the story ends up being that uh, he he was asking about... He, in fact, is... is She thinks he's asking her out and she's asking... He's asking about someone else, a man, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. And then she sort of Because she's like graduated to, like, matronly, at least in her mind. Like, that's her, her, her fear. Right. Right. Um, uh, and then she has, like, the one... The first scene in the movie where she really kind of talks about their arrangement of, like, it, it wasn't... I'm angry at myself for lying to myself that I thought this was enough. Right. Right? Basically, yeah. like, I knew what I was getting into, and I thought that was enough of a marriage to make me happy. Right. And now I'm only angry at myself. Uh, it's really heartbreaking shit. And very soon after that, she gets diagnosed with cancer in a scene where, like, um, I, I I look. My mother had cancer a couple of years sure. ago, and I had to go to a lot of these, these doctor these, appointments. Right, frustrating doctors. Uh, and there's there's the thing uh, he is doing in this scene that I found myself doing because I was the person taking my mom to most of the appointments. Where it's like the doctors say these things to you very bluntly, right? And the person who is the helper, the well, the person who's being told about what's going on in their body, you just kind of go into a state of shock and, the other and person silence. Asks lots of questions. Yeah, yes, where you're just yes. like, well, okay, well, let's like focus. What brass about tacks this? What about here. this? What about this? And you just kind of hold on this three shot but of them. It is. It is one of many. It's really devastating. Devastating oneers. So, and he's clearly film. trying to be like, okay, let's focus. Let Let's yeah, get yeah, this yeah, done. Yeah, right. And she's just kind of like, but, it takes a while before both of them break down. The thing about this segment of the movie is when, when the movie is coming out and I'm hearing buzz about it, a lot of people are like, you know, and then there's the whole biopic part of the, you know, they're, they're consider like this is being dismissed by some as like a sort of function of many a biopic, the tragic portion. I have, it's 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I've also seen few films deal with a terminal illness. I think illness he deals with this it really well. I fucking sobbed and it's twice. But like, I counted on rewatch. And in the on theaters. rewatch, it's like, it's really, it's like four scenes. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's very, dev, but, like, oh. But it's it's simple. Just, like, it is it, there is uh his father passed away 
I don't know. Some handful of years ago. I know he talked about like... Uh, oh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, I Yes. Know. Silver Linings Playbook being this like best and worst moment of his life thing. Where yes. he got the Oscar yeah, nomination, right. which it was is around what he's when he was dreamed of. Silver Linings. And he's talked yeah. about in interviews that it was this moment where he was just like, oh, none of this really matters. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It kind of like humbled him. Right. It's a big... And yes, grounded a, him as a person. Yeah. I, I don't know how his father died, but there is like, there is a specificity to these scenes especially because of them not being incredibly long, there not being many of them, right. where there is just like an observational specificity in details that are heartbreaking. There's the thing of her folding the toilet paper. All that stuff. That is just like, that is clearly drawn from the Bernstein children telling him that, his own Probably. experience, someone he knows. Like, that's not something you It's a little write. detail right, that you wouldn't think to include. That just right. speaks volumes, and she just plays this incredibly, incredibly well so, and and like the emotional sensitivity of them coming back together in this moment i guess we we brushed over and we talked about it earlier but the scene where that's she goes, right we forgot to shout out right this the big composing scene conducting yes. scene mm -hmm. at the cathedral where he's doing mm -hmm. Mahler's second which yeah. is like a symphony he was obsessed with mm -hmm. and she's there right and that's like what matters is that he right. sees the that she's there. The the shot, and she says he's sobbing hysterically he's sweating marie pointed out to me he goes and hugs her and then when he pulls away to talk to her you see the sweat stain of his face on her uh, shoulder and she says to him then like you you have no hate in your heart like you she's have sort of no hate in your heart right, she's yeah. she's good job uh, thank you, you see know, I'm, it's i'm juice uh, you know got the juice right now right yeah. she's uh renouncing her her earlier criticism of him now yeah the, the that that is ten minutes of the movie, and then there's really just ten minutes left. Right. Again, like I all that to say, it feels like after that moment they get back together in some form, and then shortly thereafter she she's diagnosed. And right. yeah, I, I I mean you know it, it it's just their their whole dynamic at this point. It's like they know each other too well, to a certain degree, to ever be with anyone else. You know, I, I read in this movie something in as she's dying, this feeling of like, I kind of don't know if another person will ever know me as well. That's, and that's exactly what it is. And then she's she gone. Does. And then the there's a genuine love he has for her there that even if it's like, well, you know, when she passes, perhaps I can live a truer version of myself. It's like, I don't, he's never going to have that again in a weird way. No, instead, we just get like, you know, him conducting at Tanglewood with like a young student yes. who he's trying to give notes and then eventually he kind of just takes over yeah. and does it himself and they all start applauding him and he's like, oh, little old me. You know, like, it's like yeah. a, where you're like, ah, he loves it. Like, you know. Right. And then you cut to him in a club. Yes. With Shout playing. Yes. Right? Shout, Shout, Let It All Out. Yeah. You know. Uh, like him with a red solo cup looking right. like Grinding he's on MDMA. On Vibing out. Yes. Right. And I have been told that someone I know went to a test screening of this movie. The movie ended there. Interesting. And like basically just like hard cut to that song and that's it. Because when that... And it was a little more of like a sort of like kind of chilling ending. That moment like, is fascinating. He's kind of like, lost. This is a version of him I haven't seen. Because there are even earlier cutaways where there's the party where they're doing coke on top of his head. Yes. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. This feeling of the guy going on benders and whatever. Right. Kind right? of like right, out of control. Yeah. But that moment you're just like, it's odd to see him in this kind of environment when the movie has almost pointedly been shielding us from this side of his life. Right. The movie is showing us what he largely wants to present to the public or these very intimate fallouts of those moments. Um, but uh, it's such a brief moment 
it is so sort of shocking and just like, it's weird to see him in such a modern context. It's weird to see him dancing with young people to a pop song. You know, like all of that is kind of jarring. It feels too modern. Right. I'm like, no, Lenny Bernstein belongs in the 50s. Like, what's totally. he doing in almost the 90s? You right, know? and he's like drenched in sweat. Yes. And then you watch this and you're sort of like, what, so was the movie going to go into like a final chapter of what his life was like after her? There are another 20 minutes left. And then it cuts back to one final interview. Exactly. It's one final interview of him kind of more like in voiceover, basically putting a point on like, I missed her terribly. Yes. And then a shot of her looking at the camera and then Maestro. So right. basically, clearly, he, he kind of toyed with, do I really kind of just, like, get out of there yeah. at this kind of shocking, like, loss? He almost you know? does. And then he oh, and he clearly was like, I think I need, like, something A to slightly soften it or whatever. Um, but anyway, just interesting to think about. Because I put this movie on in the morning, and I was mm -hmm. like, I really need to watch it before... Uh, you know, I, we come. I come here. We were recording something before this that was very special and fun, and I did not want to be late. Becoming soon in the new year. Becoming soon in the new year. Very exciting. You're pointing to me about being late. I, didn't I was point picking at you. up bagels for the I group. I didn't point at you. I did this. I did this. The bagels were not ready. They were not ready. The, the bagels were not ready. The bagels were not ready. And you know, it was a good bagel. And Thank it was a lifesaver bagel. Thank you. I needed it. You needed it. That's in why between I asked. those two recordings. That's why I offered. But um. I was like, wow, fuck, this movie's not two hours. It's like kind of 210, you yeah, know? It's a two inch changer. It's not. It's an hour 55. The really? Just really long. Wow. Because I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to get out of here. And it's like, yeah. nah, it's basically done. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it doesn't feel, or to me, it doesn't feel long. I've heard people no. complain, like, eh, long, draggy biopic. And it I'm just, like, it's a very alive I mean, just, movie to me. I agree with you. I'm like, this falls into this camp of like, if this is what Oscar bait was, Oscar bait wouldn't have any negative connotations. Right. And to I lump agree. this in with things like, I don't know, the best of enemies. Yeah, there wasn't a single <laughs> boy in a boat. I'll, I'll none, say it. None. I'm going to make a comparison now. Please. <laughs> Not to Will Smith. Fuck. Sully should have said that. But <laughs> Can I make a comparison, comparison now? now? Can I make a comparison now to a hero? I am one. Uh, I feel, and the movie has not yet hit Netflix. Sure. It's about to. It's about to. Yeah. I feel like Maestro is going to be this year's Babylon. Interesting. Where you mean like sort of masterpieces? Where Both it is it is so sincere in a way. Yeah. That irony pilled people will love to hate on it. I mean, that is and yeah, that is certainly the case. It's yeah. certainly obviously Babylon was greeted with very negative reviews. Right. But also this got like kind of warm but sort of tepidy reviews, like kind of people being like, it's good. The acting is good. I done, you know, it didn't quite get master PC for me. Part right? of the you Babylon know. pushback too is like they gave him how much fucking money to they make. They gave him this? how much it's money. So overblown. Like, what does he think he knows about movie? You know what right. I mean? Because like Babylon's trying what to be about What does Bradley everything. Cooper know about classical music? But this is in comparison a fairly small personal film. I think people, yes, I do think Irony Poison people will fucking revolt against right. this I do thing. wonder how this will go over once, right, it's, you know, gifable. But but I think... Yeah. In, in it, a, I think not well, which... We'll in another know. way, though, I think, like, the, the Lights, Camera, Jacksons of the world find this movie a little inscrutable, where they're like, where's the emotional arc? Not but, enough but Tanglewood. It's all, I agree, but <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, like, for certain people watching this film, I think they're like, this movie is missing all the scenes that make me make sense of this movie. Right. And it's like, because it's all, not unspoken, but it's like he's choosing to to play the minor notes. 
How's that? I would ag- I would agree. I yes. Playing them minor it's notes. It's only minor notes, which is what's interesting about it to me. Yeah. You know? Um, some qu- just quick thoughts before we move on to this movie box office games. Yes. This movie rule, I'm glad you agree, uh, Greg. Yeah. I love it. It's, I, I, I loved love it when I saw movie. it, but yeah. I walked out of that screening with certain, you know, young Jewish men who share my name and are as handsome as me and have been on this podcast and are friends Children over around Marty, the same age. maybe presided over her marriage, uh-huh. being like, well, that wasn't that good. And I wanted to throw him into 65th Street. And yeah. I didn't. You did. I heroically resisted. You did. That's and, and so brave When of it you. first played at, at Venice, people were a little more yeah. mezzo-mezzo yeah. on it. I was I also just like, why are you not premiering this at New York? But, well, yeah. could have kind of killed at New York Film Festival and surprised on the way. Um, no, I like, I love this thing unreservedly. I, uh, it's, it's certainly, you know, I'm, I, I still have a lot to see and there's stuff I want to rewatch, but I feel like it's firmly in my top five for the year. And I was saying to you, it's like, it, it has a shot at being my number one, depending on how a rewatch plays. Ooh. That's interesting. What's your current number one? It's Oppenheimer, but it feels soft and or lazy. Like I fit part the of the thing me about Oppenheimer like, is there's nothing wrong with saying that's the best movie no. of the year. It's a big fucking you know yes of a movie. I'm not embarrassed that it's my number one, but you, and it's not like of... I want to pick something less conventional. But it's usually my number one is like with a bullet, unquestionably. I have this no doubt in my heart that is up. my number one. And Oppenheimer is still like that's probably the best movie I've seen all year, rather than being the one that made me levitate. Uh, which this movie did at times. Like, there there were sections of this movie I found completely uh, transcendent mm-hmm. and transfixing. Um, now... Oh, just qu- quick thing. Uh, I just want to point out, I don't know if I should be arrested for this, but mm-hmm. I was able to identify that Bradley Cooper's real-life daughter played young Jamie Bernstein the minute I saw her on screen. Marie did call oh, that wow. immediately. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just wanted to share, I uh, did not decide to watch this film i recently lost the loved one mm-hmm. yes to cancer yes we sort of warned you yeah this might be a little that this raw. might be too triggering yes like so soon basically yes, yes. and you, you might know, see it sometime i may yeah i may i also missed a handful of upcoming episodes uh just need to take some time off yeah. so yeah our release we order, you. Or, or rather, our record order could be very different than our release order. So there are a couple episodes you've been missing on. There are a couple more still to come in the new year, but not a tremendous And you amount. got to watch The Love Guru. Yeah, the most important thing. That's what's important. You were back in time for January 1st, Patreon, The Love Guru. And the that, episode that mattered most. And that was a real gift. So gift well, Ben. <laughs> Griffin wrapped for you, Ben, my speaking friend. of a gift, I have a, I have a, a Christmas gift, a slow Christmas gra- gift, a uh, happy holidays uh, gift. Oh, boy. That hold on is being processed right now. You should get a text in a second. Did you literally just order it like right now while we're recording this episode? It's going to his text. Wait, it says credit card declined. <laughs> <laughs> Did you order Ben a George Santos cameo? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh my God. It better not be Ben. I don't want any blank check dollars going to George Santos. <laughs> okay, oh, hold man. on. It's processing. We can keep talking. Yeah. Uh, this film came this out. It's just going to get a big pop when it drops. I guess we're going for Thanksgiving weekend, correct? That was its yes. release. Yes. Obviously, it's four walled, so we don't know how well it did, but. Uh, I got a release here from Netflix that said it made a million billion dollars, and that's how much it made. And don't you ask any more questions. David, correction. It made a million billion minutes. (laughs) Um, You saw it at the Angelica. Yes. Um, But 
Griffin, while you do whatever the fuck it is you're doing, mm-hmm. what was number one at the box office Thanksgiving weekend? Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, it was Hunger Games still. Uh, yes, Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, surprisingly taking number one at the box office. Everyone thought Wish would win the day. Wish came in third and behind Wish Napoleon. came in third. That's one, two, and three. Is Hunger Games, Napoleon, and Wish. Now you are doing that noise to Wish. Yes, not, not to Napoleon. Not to Napoleon, no, which is Napoleon. clear. Uh, Napoleon, which uh, rocks uh-huh. an epic of cuckoldry and cannons. Uh, Griffin, like, I'm assuming you haven't seen it. Nappy I haven't seen it. I'm alien. waiting to see it with my grandmother. Oh my god, Griffin! It, Joaquin is just being such a weirdo. I've heard it. I'm excited. I think Joaquin, my grandmother's gonna. There's a scene where he it. like is making it clear that he like wants to have sex. Uh huh. And he just goes. I can confirm that that is a scene in Ridley Scott's Napoleon. So good. I love Napoleon. It's that so there's good. no mention maybe of his reform of the French judicial system, but there is plenty of mention of the fact that he would go, nom, 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 if he wanted to have yeah. sex. Yeah. Um, Hunger Games. Anyone seen Hunger Games? No, but I want to. Yeah, I need to see it. No. It, it rocks. I'm a huge fan. I really, we need this kind of franchise back. I don't know if I've said this on another episode yet, but uh, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I'm nostalgic for this. Mm-hmm. The sort of mid-sized franchise. Mm-hmm. I know it's silly. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like, yeah, there's a three or four of them. Lionsgate, Summit, Production, yeah. you know, all that shit. Yeah, cool. Number two, Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Which is doing great, uh, unsurprisingly, overseas. Yeah, has it had made a, a, has made a bucket overseas. It had a big drop off here, but I also think for an Apple production, which obviously a lot of their business model is uh, on the eventual life of the movie on their platform. That's an ad for the service it, and all it that. It did better than I think people thought it would. Yeah. but And it's made it's made 170 worldwide. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and it's still going out there. Dare I say it? The no. big titty tit? No, it's a medium Lo- titty tit. So it's like a C cup hit. Okay. Um, you think C cups are mediums? It's a B cup hit. David is like, yeah. See, this is we have to <laughs> drop this. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's, it's terrible. So, mm. Like, like yeah. we already have I think such Nepal, a small me, uh, sliver of I think a female. I know. It's honestly true. It's yeah. not and that bad. I've I've gotten multiple. It's not great. Women. Yeah, it's not my favorite. <laughs> oh, I meant the size of our female listenership isn't that bad. Okay. Maybe big titty not, hit. you're just digging. Maybe the hole big titty hits retire, but also we've recorded like six episodes that won't come out. <laughs> I know. But Where I, I definitely cut say it, it a bunch. Out, man. Yes, cut it exactly. Out. If we're retiring anyway, it, we have I'm to keep saying, it in. I think Napoleon gets a C cup. I'm just that was just my point. You know, oh, Napoleon's doing oh, pretty Mr. good. Oh, Mr. Who wants to retire it? Yeah. Yeah. Now goes back to the cup sizes. Now Wish, on the other hand, yeah. No, it, I'm okay. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> All right, fine. fine has has anyone seen Wish? No. No. Griff, you haven't seen Wish. I haven't seen Wish. Not even out of some perverse, you know, completionist streak will I'm you not see. I'm gonna Wish. die someday. If, when it when it is <laughs> when it is on Disney Plus, I will watch it. Mike, uh, I'm not even sure I'll commit. I'm that. putting that on or, the pile of well, that I'm probably gonna have to watch it with my daughter someday. Right, right? but also like, like I said that about Raya and the Lost Dragon. I have not seen that movie, well, but that doesn't have songs. Right? No, no, but it's Wish kind does, of an action. But the Wish songs does. are kind of bad. People seem to dislike the songs. I haven't heard them. <sighs> I did get sent a vinyl from Disney with the songs on them. Wow. Humble brag. All right. Yeah. I'm relieved. I thought you were going to go in another direction. What was that? I thought you were about to be like, it's flat titty hit. Ben! You just said it. And now you're, you're telling gonna have me to I have to stop saying out. it? Number four. I want everyone office. to know that uh, I got a fraud alert from my bank for trying to purchase the gift for Ben. So I have to redo the transaction now. But I swear to God, this will be worth it. Go no, on, David. Number four of the box office. Another animated film, Griffin. Uh, another animated film that is number four at the box office. Is yep. it the Trolls? Trolls band together. Which, can I say 
softly is kind of underperforming. Little bit. Maybe the branch and Poppy. the Poppy's magic has, you know, I begun think to it's wane. A, I think it's a response to Justin Timberlake. He has just been I officially culturally canceled. That doesn't that's have the Riz. A bit of does not have <laughs> the Riz. I think, I think kids are just kind of like, what's it about? And it's like, ah, oh, the trolls are back. You know, like, I, I don't think these movies have much of a hook. The hook they on this one was not out. great. Well, I, the other weird thing about it is, like, the first movie did well. Yeah. Like held well, but also rock well. bottom expectations for that yes. thing. It kind of overperformed. But Javier Bardem danced to the song. Like Second Life, the song is huge. The merch continued to sell. I think the movie continued to play really well at homes with kids. Yeah. So it like felt like it lingered. They make the second movie where the expectations were high because they were like, well, the first movie right. was kind and of COVID a COVID hits. Right. Right. So it the first movie the theatrical model did really big VOD numbers, but it was basically the first movie to go straight to VOD rather than theaters in COVID at a very high price point. Yes. And that puts it in a weird space where it's like, we have Trolls at home. Is Trolls a big screen franchise anymore? Did it almost get a little bit of the Disney Plus TV show problem? And then I think people assume this one would be really big because World Tour was big, just not in theaters. The movie has made... Nine eighty-three million dollars, one seventy-five worldwide. In a month, it basically has made its budget back domestically. You know, so like it's fine, but yeah. it's definitely not the Universal's had a great year. This is not why, yes. right? Like they're not like tooting any horns over Trolls Three. No, number five of the box office is a horror film named after the holiday it was released on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, it's which a, I hear is pretty fun. It's a pretty fun movie. You saw? Yeah, I saw it with the uh, Winnie McIntosh and Patrick Moynihan, friends at the show. Shout out. Shout out to Whitney and Pat. We had a great time. Okay. Well, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Number six at the box office is The Marvels. Here's the story my brother told me about The Marvels. Okay. Uh, he, My brother works uh, in theater. He works, you know, in the theater district, right? So he mm-hmm. works near both of the big Times Square theaters that have like a zillion screens. He has like a three-hour gap between shows. He's seeing two shows one day, matinee and a evening. Okay. He's got nothing to do. He can't leave the theater district. And he's like, well, I'll fuck it. You know what? I'll go see the Marvels. I never saw that. I'll, you know, I'll go see it. Not playing. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. A month later, basically. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I can't even fucking see it at like the AMC Empire, basically. Yeah. I yeah. went I went to go see it and you were surprised that um I was going not with my little cousin because I mostly go see the Marvel right. movies with him and now. he was like, no thanks. And you were like, why didn't you wait for him? And I was like, the next time I'm supposed to take him out is like two weeks from now and I genuinely am worried it's not going to still be playing. Uh, Which I was kind of right about. Marie, did you see the Marvels? What do you think? Uh-huh. Number seven, uh, The Holdovers, Griffin? Yeah. You were kind of tapping on? I like it. I, no. I, I'm not even, I'm not like being backhanded about it. I just, it's not a movie I'm doing cartwheels over. I was doing I don't think it's a major pain. I think it's a major pain. I think it's a major no, pain. But ben major pain. That's good. Thank you. Um, but uh, no, I, I, look, it is like uh, an unbelievably enjoyable film. Yeah. Number eight uh, is a concert film that's one of the top 10 domestic grocers of the year. Taylor Swift. The year is tour. Uh, number nine is a movie where someone drinks cum. Saltburn. Salt yep. Number 10 is a movie about uh, five nights at a certain person's place. Freddie. I was trying to make a joke. There um, was an amazing post in our Reddit recently where <laughs> someone was happens? like, Oh, someone was like, a lot of similarities between Boy and the Heron and <laughs> five, five Nights at Freddy's. Freddy's. And someone just replied with like getting boss baby <laughs> vibes from this with the tweet. Good. 
Because they were basically both about, it's like, it's about a person reckoning with the world he's made or something. There yeah. was some like line they were trying to draw. It was yeah, funny. it was very it was funny. funny. Shout out to that person. My, yes. I had a dream uh, two nights ago, uh, just re-holdovers, that I was inexplicably in a high school cafeteria with Paul Giamatti. Sure. The blank check. And he was calling you he- penis cancer in human form. A g- a good One line. of the best lines in the movie. Blank check. A group text was blowing up with Marie going, ask him to be on the pod. And I was like, Marie, be chill. I'm just, we're, we're getting, we're, we're becoming getting friends. getting a cafeteria lunch. We're just becoming friends inexplicably at a cafeteria. And, and Paul Giamatti, a man I want to be clear, I've never met, said like, you've seen the holdovers, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, and did, did you like my performance in it? And I was like, yeah, I did. I, obviously, I mean, if you're really good. And he's like, because yeah, I, I was watching it the other day and I was thinking like, this is like virtuoso shit. And then Giamatti just kept pumping up how good he thought he was in the holdovers. And I was like, he's right. But also, like, I didn't think Giamatti would be a guy who'd pat himself on the back this hard. And he's like, I'm watching this performance. I'm like, this is a five-course Wait, meal. but this is like, he's like coming to you in your dream to tell you that your feelings about his movie are I have wrong. nothing how bad to say about his performance. do we have to dissect Griffin's dream, <laughs> a lot. which is not real? I should mention my therapist also the other day related me to uh, a branch from the Trolls franchise just because it's also relevant in this. Uh, she's right. She's right. You're a party pooper. <laughs> yeah. I assume. I don't yeah. know. I can't remember uh, what I branch think that was kind of her take. Um, just a shout out also in our Boy in the Heron episode. We did not see it coming that it would be the number one film no. of the week overperforming and basically outgrossing any Miyazaki movie within three days. They Very exciting. You really? did a great job. On 2200 screens, like not even on a lot I of I think screens. it would have made more money if they had more uh, showings of the dub. Yeah, but you know Maybe what? They will. They'll keep, like, I, I, the best, the thing that was savviest about the way they played this and just picking the absolute best weekend, because if it had come out one week earlier, it would have been number three behind. They found a very like quiet weekend to put it. And I think Godzilla overperforming the week before also helped them, where it was like a lot of people were like, you know what, I'm going to go see another Japanese subtitled movie in theaters. Um, but the best thing is them being number one at the box office got them a bunch of free press. Like yeah. oh, all 100%. the free headlines they got from like Miyazaki tops the box office, his highest grossing opening is like free press. It will hold, well, next weekend, I believe. They're still trying to climb my credit card. I gotta get this. One. I'm right. dying We're to know. Okay. Done. All, right. All right. Well, listen. Of course, every year I produce a holiday album, "Slow Christmas," and we have this year "Slow Christmas" number three. It's the fourth release because, of course, of course started. I started with zero. Started with zero. The album was released today. There'll be a link uh, included in the description. But um, we have Josh Richmond, friend of the show, contributed a track, uh, producer of Video Archives, yep. a longtime Earwolf producer. Sure. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Gabe Wax, who Great is uh, Wax. a producer, musician, has worked on a bunch of stuff, including all, all of Soccer Mommy's albums. Uh, uh, Sadie Dupuy. Works uh, on her work as well. Oh, yeah, nice. Old friend, long-time listener. Yeah. Wow. Uh, also want to sh- shout out Future Museums, contributed track, also a listener of the show. Um, but of course, here, somehow, mm. the, the the track I'm going to play is from one Amy Irving. Academy Award nominee for the film Gentle, soon to be covered on the podcast. Winky, winky. <clears throat> and so here we have a clip of Amy Irving performing We Three Kings. 
Crazy for this one, Haas. Truly crazy. So good. Incredible shit. Fun stuff. Where can you get it? Everywhere. Wherever you get your music. Is it is it truly everywhere? In past years, it's been only on Bandcamp, right? Or is it everywhere, everywhere? Uh, previous releases have been on Spotify, yeah. Bandcamp, okay. and kind of a handful of other, but this is the first time I've done a wide release. Apple Hell Music? Hell yeah. Boy in the Heron style. Apple, Apple Music. music. Title. Title. Just search Slow Xmas number three. Ben? Yes. We have this uh, present here. Uh -huh. Do you want to open it up? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, although, do we have time? You got to go. We, got, we, should, we should do this right now, All right. I think, right? Do well, we, have we have the Aquaman episode, but that is, of course, nominally coming out after Christmas. So you may, this is our last release before Santa's big holiday, which is what I call Christmas. All right. Let's open it. Ben is using scissors to open okay. a box. There's a big box. This came from AJ McCann, uh, our lovely editor, one of those helpful people in the world. It's incredible. Yeah. Also a real snack. <laughs> yeah. Good looking guy. Yeah. Right? We're AJ? All, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a handsome fella. Not color. to get thirsty on me. He's a very handsome fella. And he sent us a, a what I would say is a tall, narrow box. With fragile stickers. It's got fragile stickers. And it's pretty flat. And there seems to be something, some sort of framed item in here. Looks to be a, maybe a poster, a Looks painting. Maybe be a poster. Looks like a poster. What is it? What? What, what is this? Oh my Holy god! Holy shit! All right, from shit. first glance, this appears to be a Sergeant Pepper S. <laughs> That's what it appears. Giant to be. collage. Okay. That says blank check on it, but I don't know. Okay, so there's the well, four of us in the, the center of us from the uh, our, the opera show. Oh shit! In our tuxedos, right. and then it's and is it just? I think I think it's basically like. All, it's uh, the note says thank you. It's always for letting me be part of the show. Uh, shout out to Pat for helping with this. So it seems to be all of Pat Reynolds's artwork of us. Oh wow! Uh, like this every is, character we've you know, ever been on every amazing. right series art. This is good. This is yes, Sergeant yes. Pepper collage vibe. So we're gonna have to wow. take a picture of this and post it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And we're gonna have to hang it. Yes. In the office. Thank you, AJ. Yeah, and for the time being, it will go against a wall like all of her like other all of our posters. pictures. We're going to get everything done in the new year. We're going to get everything 2024, done. 2024, baby. Yeah. yeah. Year of posters. The year of and hanging the clock. posters. We're getting that fucking clock put out. I know. Yeah, we're and getting, getting fucking the ceiling treated acoustically. And we're getting and... fucking, fucking, fucking... And Guys, we're using potty mouths over here. Oh, yeah, you've never done that. Okay, I've never done that. Listen, maestro rules. Maestro good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Griffmas. We're dark next week. Happy Hosladays. Merry slow Christmas. Yes. Uh, then we're back the week after that with Wonkwaman. 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 Wonkwaman oh, yeah. episode. So we're gonna we're 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 officially saying it. We're doing both, or did we already kind of oh, announce on social? We announced we're on doing social, both. but we're but announcing case, officially know, here the, that those of us who aren't We on will social. discuss two pivotal films of Christmas yeah. season, Wonka and Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. And look, here's all I want to say. Little cousin, 
Wonka is his top movie of the holiday he season. Wants to meet Wonka. And he's yeah. usually superhero crazy, and Aquaman has not See, even been discussed. See, this is why I think discussed. it's important to talk about because we've had a year of it's, superhero fatigue. Warner Brothers is hearing that being like, yes. He doesn't even know what Aquaman is. Perfect, perfect. Let's get this yeah. thing out without anyone seeing it. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be a mess. Can I say I, it? I think it's going to be a big chocolate hit. A <laughs> big chocolate hit. I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> Will that apply to everything? I don't know. Um, listen, this is uh, we'll we'll see you in uh, two weeks with Wonkaman. Um, Maestro, I, I hope you all watch it at home. If you've had the chance to go see it in theaters, it's even better that way. But Netflix continues to be a little inconsistent about their release strategies on things. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty, our associate producer on the show. Oh my goodness, thank you, thank you. Thank you to Ben Hosley, our producer on the show. Hey, it's me. Happy to have you back, Ben. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. We missed you. Um, tune in next week for Christmas. Enjoy your family. Uh, thank you to AJ McKeon for the greatest Christmas gift of all time and also editing the show along with Alex Barron. Yeah, uh, this is unreal. Uh, thank you to JJ Birch for another week of vacation. Thank you to Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for artwork, including all this artwork that uh, uh, AJ put on this insane thing. Thank you to Lee Montgomery, the great American Alpha, for our theme song, which of course I guess uh, Alex uh, remixed for this episode. Um, go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including our Patreon, Blank Check Special Features, where we do commentaries on film series. We're finishing up Mike Myers. We have Love Guru kicking off the new year. And then I don't know if we've announced it in this feed or not, but we're doing the Terminator movies. Yeah. Uh, we may not have announced that yet, but the next thing on that feed is the love. Uh, is Pitching the Walk. Oh, Pitching the Walk. A very special episode with J.D. Amato that I'm sure you'll all enjoy in which we are very normal it's and not Probably our most tired. normal episode. Yeah. And uh, and then, yes, uh, Love Guru in the new year. And then uh, I assume zero people will listen to the following episode, wherever that is. Uh, the following episode is the... Uh, it, it'll be mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying everyone's going to unsubscribe. Oh, after. <laughs> after Love Guru. Yeah, probably. Yes. Um, so that that is the end of that. I'm going to try this one last time. Uh, it's no longer even giving me fraud notifications. It's just seemingly blocking me. Uh, this is the final shot to see if it goes through. Uh, three, two, one. Credit card declined. Well, Ben, I tried to buy you a gift card for the amount of of the steak at the restaurant that overcharged you for the steak and they will not let me spend the money on it. <laughs> See? Which plays into the narrative of them only wanting to get you. Every step of the way, no matter what. I thought this would be a funny bar. bit. And Chase is basically saying like, why would you spend that much money at this restaurant? Yeah, We're not going to allow you to do it's this. It's an absurd amount of money. I thought it was a nice gift idea and I thought it'd be funny, but apparently... It is funny, and I appreciate it. The banks will not allow it to happen. <laughs> I really appreciate the gesture. 